Big Week in Gaming, a podcast that dives into gaming news, analysis, and reviews. If you'd like to help contribute to the growth of this podcast and community, please leave us a five-star review, as it helps people find us. With that said, let's get on with the show. Shut up! Big Week's on the radio! Shut up! It's Gaming Podcast Audio! Welcome, welcome, welcome. It's been a big week in gaming. I'm Intergot, he's Winnie, for episode 5 on Sunday the 16th of August, 2020. In this week's show, we'll be discussing Epic Games' clash with Apple and Google, Halo Infinite being delayed until next year, and our special look back at Donkey Kong Country. Swinney, it's been a big week. Lots of delays, lots of interesting stuff this week. You say lots of interesting stuff, but it was obviously... Pretty small news week for once. You know, it's, it's, it's always a good week name. in gaming. All right. <laughs> I, I'm, uh, I can't stand brand this week. I'm sorry. No, actually, the, I'd say there's one or two big stories. So technically still a big week. Well, okay. I'm going to have the counter argument and we'll get into it shortly. But I, I think this clash between Epic and Apple and Google is going to be huge. And I, I think we'll look back and go, actually, this was a bigger week than the hours that we spent on <laughs> state of plays and <laughs> things like that about games that are already yeah. out. Uh, what? You don't want to talk about Temtem for 45 minutes again? <laughs> PS5 exclusive, or is it? <laughs> it's coming on the Switch. Yeah. Um, and, and how's your week been? Busy? Oh, it's been... Oh, it hasn't been busy. I've just been uh, cracking away at a uh, crosscode still about... 40, 50 hours in. That game oh, wow. is not short. It yeah. is a long game. I really I um, really want to get into that game. It's... Uh, I will say it is even better than I thought it would be now. Like, it's gotten great. But really? I've also been... Um, yeah, I started Rage as well as part of our game of some other year. So, ah. uh, id Software's... Uh, I wouldn't say... It's not so classic shooter. It's probably not fondly remembered, but at the time it had a lot of buzz. And uh, I will say that game visually holds up. Um, it looks great on PC still. So been cracking away at that. And yeah, I guess uh, just also started Ring Fit Adventure for the first time. Oh, did you get that? Because I, I got that, oh, I think it was, when did it come out? For Christmas, I think, last year. Does that sound right? Yeah, I mean, it's been a while. I picked it up uh, a few weeks ago and just mm. finally actually opened it up. And have uh, have you actually played it? Yeah, yeah, I played it a lot. Like you can, I don't hide my status on the Switch. Um, I think I played it for like fifteen hours or something like that. So I've, I, I it tried to keep up with it. it look, the thing is, <laughs> uh, you, you'll share your experience in a second, but I was keeping it up every day for a while, and I actually like this sounds embarrassing. I kind of injured myself from playing it. Like, my knee. Like, I, I was going too hard, and my knee got, like, a bit creaky. I was like, whoa, <laughs> this is a bit full-on. i got to, like, ease off on this game. So, can I ask, was that because you were doing the silent mode? No. Okay. Like I just did regular so I'm, mode. I, I'm doing the silent mode because, just for context, I, I have some nerve damage, right? Yeah, yeah. And I, I'm not able to jog. Uh, and doing it on the spot for Ring Fit Adventure so your character can move... I thought it was going to be very difficult. So they've got a silent option where 
it's meant to be okay you're in an apartment so you're not like you know making a lot of noise where instead of jogging you're just kind of doing very small squats over and over and over again oh, but you're doing god. so much and i'm like oh my god this doesn't feel like it's going to be good for my knees like yeah plus then obviously all the other squat based um exercises when you're actually battling the enemies and everything but other than that it's it's such a well made uh game and it is legitimately a game like it's kind of shocking how much of a game there is to what you'd think is probably a fitness app it's so good like it i know it's so well rated but it's just so underrated to me and i think part of it is they just didn't make enough i i whether they thought you know it wasn't going to sell as well as they thought it would because you know obviously they're going to make so many units and even when there's insane demand they can only increase it by a certain amount but i think that thing would have been like double the amount of sales if they were able to sell it because I remember chatting to uh, some people at JB Hi-Fi. So they're an Australian retailer for American listeners, a bit like Best Buy. And I kind of got to know a few of them. And one of them was just saying that that game is the number one requested item at the time. So this was pre-COVID in the whole store. And sometimes they had like situations where a person would come up to them and go, hey, do you have Ring Fit Adventure? And they're like, no, 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 sorry. You know, we can't even keep a log of people. It's so long. That the person would walk away, and then like a second later, some other random person came up. Hey, do you have Ring Fit Adventure? And someone was saying it happened like four times in a row, and they thought they were getting trolled, or they're like some YouTube show or something like that. But it, it's good; you should keep it up. Like the thing I'd say though, and I've got to get back into it. You just got to pace it out, man. And like, I know mm. this sounds so bad. I feel like I'm like I am actually unfit, but um, yeah, you got to pace it out because I go really hard when you go when I do those kind of things and man, it was like battering my knees, all the squats and everything. There's so many squats in that, in that game. It's crazy. Well, going to what you were talking about, uh, the, I guess the retail demand. Well, when you think about it, you, a lot of games these days, you can get away with just buying them digitally. And that's one of the games we need the physical component as well. So it makes sense that obviously people can order them online, right? Yeah. And 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 I don't know if, I don't know if you can buy the game digitally and just get the, the ring con no, whatever it's called no, separately you can't so that makes sense that you need to that people were actually are likely going to go to retailers to actually try to get it if you if they can but obviously it was difficult to so yeah so it's only offered physically you can't even get a digital version of it and it's pretty obvious why because you know people would just make counterfeit versions of it right and so then it would drive the cost down to whatever the digital version is plus 10 bucks or whatever um, although I, the I accessories are really download... good. Oh yeah, it's great. I do wish you could download a digital version of it though. So I didn't have to like, cause it's a game you're going to try to play if not every day, then every couple of days and just having to constantly swap that cartridge in. Um, we talked about it before, but that is a great example of, man, I just wish the, the game part of it was digital, but yeah. Anyway. And like, I really wish Nintendo had a policy where it's like, you'd have to install like insert it once a week or something and then it kind of like stays active if that makes sense so then Mm. you didn't need to put the cart back in like something like that you know what i mean like that wouldn't bother me that much if that was the rule because just like we've had this conversation offline around smash like i'm so on the fence of just buying it digitally even though i've got the physical version (laughs) and maybe trying to sell the the you know my physical and just get the digital and bite the bullet because I don't know. I'm just so lazy. I, I want to jump into it every now and then. I'm like, oh, 
I couldn't be bothered like switching out, you know, Paper Mario, which I'm playing, hmm. and put that in, or Skyrim. So yeah, just talking about uh, uh, Rage. So I've loaded Skyrim back on the Switch. So I'll try to play that on the Switch because I figure that that is probably a close replica of the PS3 slash Xbox version of it. Um, I mean, I know it's enhanced, but it's not the PS4 slash PC version of it. So I'll. I'll play it there because then it sort of helps mix it up versus a lot of the games that I already have on PC uh, that we're going to be going through. I will say, though, unlike a lot of, I guess, remasters, the special edition of Skyrim, I don't think adds much to it that would give you a very different experience. But it is, I understand, like, I think the Switch is, what, as you said, a good example of... Um, trying to, you know, take a snapshot in time and rather than obviously, obviously you could go and play it on those consoles, but you know, Switch is a current console, you've got it around all the time and it's also mm. portable. So that makes sense. Well the other thing I've got to recognise is that, you know, I've got another baby on the way imminently. Probably by the next time we, we chat on the podcast, he'll be along. So bring it up to two total and you know, the Switch to me as a dad is just insane. It's like the most important, you know, me time device for a dad that you could have because you know as opposed to a console even like booting up my ps4 just take some time and you know no matter what you do it's just not as convenient as the switch because you can just carry it with you and it actually made me reflect when um my first son uh you know came along i remember this because you know it was really tough time with delivery like yeah very dramatic um and I remember vividly, because I was just like, oh, in a bad headspace, uh, playing uh, Metroid Zero Mission on my 3DS. I don't know why, this is just like so vivid in my head, because I played it and beat it like on the same day. And I was just like, oh, I needed to get my mind off things. <laughs> and I love Metroid so much. And I'm like, oh, I gotta play, I gotta play something. I'm like losing my mind here. And then I was like, well, wow, maybe I should load up um uh, fusion on my on my 3ds and play it and i was just going oh maybe i could play super metroid as well on on the nintendo switch online um but yeah it's, so what you're saying what you're saying is that metroid needs to be put in uh, like counseling offices for people suffering from you know from all all manners of uh, of stressful events yeah well certainly for me certainly for me it's definitely my happy place just going back in and playing Super Metroid. I have to admit, I'm surprised I don't go back and play that game more often. Like, I don't know how many times I've beaten it, but I don't have it memorized like a lot of people who are massive fans of it. Um, yeah, it's just I go it's one back of those things. Play, I go back and play it all the time, but I generally don't play it to completion. I'll probably put maybe an hour and a half, two hours in, kind of say, oh, I've had enough for now, and then just forget. And then next year I'll do the same thing. Um, so... But it's the game's just so good that you you start playing it and you just want to play it for like two hours straight. Yeah, like that game. You know, I think I've already mentioned this, but to me, it's my favorite game of all time. And it's just you know, I, I'm the opposite. Like I start playing it and I'm like, oh, it's actually very similar to something like Empire Strikes Back. If I start watching that, I'm like, oh, I have to watch the whole thing. <laughs> like I can't. You know, in the old days where you'd watch TV, if it came on you know, on TV and I was like, oh, whoa, Empire Strikes Back. I'm just like, all right, I guess the, there goes two hours. I'm going to just watch this. 
And I mean, you know, Super Metroid is about that length. It's about two to three hours, depending on how quick you can get through it. Like, obviously, speedrunners can do it in more like 20-something minutes. So I'm definitely not going to be that quick. I actually should set myself a goal of, like, trying to get a competitive time from a from a speedrunning perspective. That might be Wait, a fun competitive. thing to do. Wait, competitive? <laughs> On one of the most widely speedrun games of all time, you're going to try to get a competitive no. time. No, no, no. I'm talking about the competitive idea as in, like, you know... Uh, oh, actually, that's tricky. Like, that's a top 5% time. Does that make sense? Like, you know, some people, it's like, oh, they can run pretty quick. Now, it's not Olympic pace, but it's like, geez, that's decent. They've done some training. That's kind of like what I'm talking about. <laughs> anyway. Okay, I, I challenge you to do a reverse boss run of Super Metroid. Start there. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, I might I might take us into our headliners so I can get away <laughs> from getting myself into trouble. Um the trouble that it seems like Apple and Google may have gotten themselves into. So Apple and Google have actually removed Fortnite from the iOS and Google Play stores. Uh, and this is all, you know, a very orchestrated situation from Epic Games. I'm, I'm not sure how you want to, like, crazy. dice this up. Yeah. Oh, man. This is... I, I love this story in so many ways because it is so obvious how much Epic has planned this that... <laughs> The fact that okay, you know, we've, you know, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the timeline events, but the fact that this whole thing—they've even got like a short film, like a, a pre-rendered Fortnite, um, you know, cutscene about this. So, like, they've just this is one of the the weirdest things, but it's so interesting in many ways. But maybe we should start from the start. Yeah. So I, I think, and and when you said that, how orchestrated it is, it's hundred percent orchestrated. So. You know, what, going back even further, Tim Sweeney, who runs Epic Games, he, he's very much about driving down the costs for, uh, you know, transaction fees or service fees or gateway fees. There's lots of different kind of descriptions on what people, but it's really just a fee to play on a storefront. So, you know, you've got Nintendo, you've got PlayStation, Xbox, Apple, Google, they've all got big storefronts, lots of customers. And pretty much standard, it's 30%. Same as on PC, even, with Steam. So, 30% fee. And Tim Sweeney's always been against this. He's hated this. Because they've always, you know, made engines, made games. So, they've always copped the 30% fee. Now, when Fortnite blew up as much as it did, and, you know, got that kind of insane amount of cash behind it, literally billions of dollars behind it, uh, they went off and created the whole epic game store just to really compete with Steam. Now, on the iOS side and the Google Play side, it, it's a massive contributor to Apple and Google. And in gaming in general, like on those storefronts, is huge. Much, much bigger than other other categories. Uh, and especially that, you know, a lot of the, the, the currency that's actually going through. So in Fortnite's case, with V-Bucks, it's all made up and you get, you know, a skin. But it's from a cost perspective, it's like nothing. So from a profitability perspective, it's so high. Um, hmm. so <laughs> very strategically epic. And it was kind of amazing when I watched this happen, they, you know, pushed an update with Fortnite and they then pushed out this whole idea of a mega drop. So fees across every single platform. So including Nintendo, PlayStation and PC, there's going to be a cut of 20% on the actual V-Buck cost to get V-Bucks. So whatever it cost you before, it's going to be 20% cheaper. 
Um, and then on the Google Play Store and the Apple Paste, uh, the Apple Store, the App Store, they actually had an an alternative way to buy V Bucks, which is completely is- against. The, the guidelines like not even against the guidelines it's like they have been hard on this historically this is crazy because the fact that they just go like i i wonder if apple or google knew about any of this at all before they pushed that update because just you just imagine reaction of like the head of you know the like the app store and whatever you know in, in at google and apple just just being like they did what? It's kind of crazy them putting in basically, oh, like a V-Buck costs whatever, nine ninety nine if you do it this way, but if you do it this way, it costs seven ninety nine. And what especially when we're talking young, you know, younger kids, who in their right mind is gonna choose a nine ninety nine option? You know, it's insane. Like everyone's gonna go over the seven ninety nine option. Yeah, yeah. And I mean like I you know, I, I've actually read a lot of you know, I've gone really deep on this topic because to me, this kind of stuff is super interesting because it's got a business and gaming element, two things I'm really, really interested in. And, you know, there's been so many examples of Apple pushing back so hard on these things. So even, you know, with Kindle, so if you go the Amazon Kindle, you cannot buy Kindle books on an iPad. So if you're on an iPad, you're in the Kindle app, you can read Kindle books on your Kindle app, but you cannot buy Kindle books. It's not allowed because the thing is Amazon tried to make it so that you could buy it by going via the web and then Apple blocked it and they're like, well, okay, we're going to remove the Kindle app. And then Amazon was like, oh, so now the Kindle app actually has this thing that says, if you log on to the Kindle store or like Amazon, you can buy the book and it will appear in the app. So they could do the same thing. Fortnite, like Epic, they could actually say, if you want to buy V-Bucks, go to Epic.com or go to Fortnite.com or whatever and buy it and it will appear in your account. So they could do that. And that's that's they following could, but, the guidelines. But we know that's not why they've done this. They, well, they, <laughs> no, they're, no. They're, trying to, they're trying to get something changed with this. And whether yeah. or not, obviously, we'll talk about it when... We haven't got to the point where, you know, we're actually, there's lawsuits involved yet. But, yeah. Uh, this as is, in, like, what we're saying, but... <laughs> yeah, this, this is all about friction, right? Because, you know, whatever you want to say, the App Store and the Google Play Store makes things very seamless. And seamless to a point where it's crazy, where kids are spending thousands of dollars. Like, it's maybe too seamless. Um, so, yeah, Epic introduced this update, pushed to all platforms, um, and then... In response, and I can't remember how long it was, but it was within, felt like within hours. Because I remember reading articles saying, you know, Fortnite's pushed this out and it's offering an alternative way to, to buy in-app purchases. And almost the commentary around it was like, how do, how are they doing this? Isn't this just violating the terms of service? And then the next set of articles that came out were like, <laughs> Apple has removed Fortnite from the iOS app store. <laughs> it's like, Who'd have thunk? ooh, okay, so... It's at least up there as one of the biggest games in the world, really, you know, because, you know, unfortunately, if you, if you, if you count the, you know, iOS devices as gaming devices, Fortnite's probably still up there with like GTA 5 as the biggest game in Minecraft, you'd probably say, at the biggest games going around, um, and to remove it, like, wow, okay, that's, that's pretty full on. And they're pretty brief around their position on it, just sort of saying, 
hey, you know, this violates the App Store guidelines uh, and the payment feature is not being reviewed or approved by Apple. And so it's been removed. Now, what it means is you can still play it if you have it on your device. And I believe you can still buy V-Bucks, like, like through Apple. But yeah, you can't get the new update. Like it's just been removed completely. Well, I think when you say you can't get the new update, I guess, yeah, if you... I think this was the latest update, so it's, I guess, if you hadn't updated your your version of Fortnite yet to this version, then you're unable to do that anyway. But it's 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 crazy. Just If this was any other game that, obviously not on this scale, it, you know, this, this wouldn't have been as much of a story. But the fact that it's, it's, yeah, one of those, the biggest games in the world and has been for the last, you know, at least two years. Yeah. It's... It's crazy, and like these are some giant companies, and obviously, you know, Apple, and you know, we'll mention Google soon, but you know, Epic is, you know, has, you know, Tencent has stock, uh, stock in Epic and things like that. It's, it's kind of like this. These are some big money makers, and it's almost like a, I don't know, it's like they're just slapping each other in the face, like challenging each other to do to take the next move. It's kind of crazy to me. Well, you know, this whole thing was a huge gamble and you know tim sweeney to his credit and i know people will hate me for saying that he's been pretty aggressive in this space and you know willing to you know put his money where his mouth is and back his theories so he's taken the Fortnite money and now really like it's costing him like epic and then also really apple a lot of money you know removing it from the app store because you know there's people who will get new iPhones, new iPads, you know, Fortnite's very popular, like, you, you won't be able to install it now. Um, and it's it's a very calculated move, as we called out from the start, because what happened, as soon as they banned it, it's essentially, you know, Epic had created a trap for, for Apple, and once they banned it, they then filed uh, suit in Californian courts. And, you know, very... Uh, not contrived, that's the wrong way to say it, but, you know, there is a lot of uh, thought that's caught into what they're doing here. So they've used a New York law firm. They're not a Californian company, Epic. They're, I think, based in Maryland, from memory. So, you know, they're there, but they've they've chosen the Californian courts, which is their right to do in the US. That's how the US system works. You're allowed to, you know, raise a, a lawsuit in whatever state you want. They've chosen California on purpose because they have the most robust uh, antitrust laws in the country. And, you know, like there's a whole host of stuff in this this lawsuit. I actually flipped through a lot of it. Um, that oh, is just wow. like really fascinating. So it's 65 pages long. And then at the same time, they released a parody of uh, Apple's very famous Macintosh ad, uh, the 1984 ad, which was challenging IBM, saying, IBM, you know, big blue, you've lost your way, you're mono- you're in a monopoly, you know, you need to, like, be shaken up, and that's what we're doing. So, you know, Tim Sweeney here is trying to create a, you know, a parallel, like Epic are the ones who are trying to shake things up. It's, and, yeah, and it looks exactly like the ad. Um, with Fortnite characters. With Fortnite characters. And the thing with this is, so I'm just picturing my head. Now, I don't know how you submit a lawsuit, especially in the US, right? Mm -hmm. Do you physically have to hand documents or can you submit something online? Do you know? 
Oh, it depends. So you file a lawsuit, but it depends on the state. So in Australia, like I can speak to that a bit more, uh, you definitely have to do it in person. And so just assuming, assuming it's been done in person, what I was getting at was I can just imagine, right? They've got, they've got someone in, in California. They get them, they send them to wherever they need to submit and they just have them standing in like yeah. a foyer with the document and they're just like, okay, we'll wait. We'll keep refreshing whatever <laughs> they're refreshing. Oh, they've removed us. And then the person just slams like the, the yeah. paperwork down on the table. And I just imagine like the, like the visual of that is hilarious in my head Have how they've kind of lined this all up. And if obviously if it was done online, then the, instead the person's sitting there with like the mouse button over the, the submit button or something <laughs> like that. Yeah, I don't know. Like usually the US is almost more backwards than other countries, like more old school, I probably should say it in a fairer way. So I'd imagine a lot of it. Uh, you heard it. You heard it here. <laughs> USA is backwards. A lot, of, a lot of a lot of the stuff would be still physical. Um, I mean, even the Australian courts only, you know, when they really got pushed with the whole COVID stuff move to being online and same as the Supreme court in the U S they don't allow, typically they didn't allow uh, any audio recording of the Supreme court in session. The only way you could hear it is you'd have to physically go there to see them and to hear them. And then um, with the whole COVID situation, they were forced to, and it, like there's some hilarious stuff that happened. There was like one of the uh, justices had obviously gone into the bathroom and not put their mic or uh, their, their microphone on mute. <laughs> Like when they're in session, so it's just really amazing stuff. Um, that's, that's a that's a um, an uh, image. No, no, that's a, what's the Leslie Nielsen movies? Um, naked Naked Gun. Gun. That's like yeah. a Naked Gun. I think one of them opens up with something similar. But <laughs> it is. I just, it? I think uh, I I think Epic missed a chance to take a photo of the documents with like written on in like handwriting hashtag free Fortnite, which is like the hashtag they're pushing. They should have like taken a photo of on their actual, uh, the paperwork submitted to the, the courthouse. That would have been really funny or wherever they submit it. And, and look like, you know, I'm, I'm not a lawyer. Uh, and then, you know, even if you are a lawyer, you have to practice, you know, uh, Californian law and they've filed it in federal court as well. But, you know, just kind of going through and listening to uh, some legal experts into this case. I, look, I don't... Number one, do do I think that Epic are trying to win this lawsuit against Apple? I think that they know they're not going to win it. I think, you know, they probably think it's a 5% chance that they'll win this lawsuit. I think there's an overarching effort that they're trying to do here, which is trying to break up the control that Apple has and then by extension, Google, and we'll get into that soon, on on these mobile platforms. Because as opposed to other platforms like PC, where, you know, Epic have gone, okay, we don't like the 30% fee that Steam charges, we'll create our own game, like, storefront, and we'll try to make it really big, and we'll make the fee 12%. Um, it's almost impossible. Well, with, with Apple, it is impossible. You can't even sideload apps properly. Like they just don't, don't, they don't work on the device after a period of time, but you go through the lawsuit and it's like, it's so tenuous, man. Like, even if you understand, like, you don't have to worry about the law so much, just understand the logic of what they're saying. They're trying to say that in-app purchases are basically just transactions, like transaction fees, like PayPal. Now, do you think of in-app purchases as, oh, that's just like a PayPal fee that you're sending to someone. 
Oh, that's a that's a tricky question. I've because I've never even thought of it. It's just as a you know as a position as a gamer, I just think of it as I am making a purchase. I'm not thinking of the, anything about the transaction itself. So I don't know if that is like a question. Well, but do you think of it as you're paying for something, or do you feel like it's just a payment? Does that make sense? Like it, like I'm it transferring money to you. Hey, no, it does not feel like that at all. No. Yeah, so it like, feels like I am making a purchase. So to me, yeah. it does feel like a transaction. Well, okay, so I'll explain it like this because I'm not—I'm actually not being clear. So you know, with eBay and in the old days, eBay and PayPal were the same company, but they're separate now. So you buy something on eBay and you use normally PayPal to pay for it, right? What they're trying to say is the in-app purchase is only the PayPal component of it. Whereas personally, I don't think of it like that. Like if I'm playing a game and then it has some stuff on it and it says, hey, if you you buy this thing, it removes ads. I view it as, oh, okay, that's like the eBay purchase and the PayPal purchase. I'm actually buying something. It's digital, but I'm, I'm paying for something. It's not just a payment. It's not like they're facilitating a payment. It's actually I'm buying something. And when I buy something, there's a payment attached to it. Does that That's make what sense? I said. It feels like yeah. I'm making a purchase, a transaction. Yeah. The so lawsuit, for the lawsuit. For something, for something. Yeah. Whereas the lawsuit is trying to say, no, 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 no. It's just a payment. You're not getting anything. It's just a payment. That's all they do. And I'm like, geez, this is, this isn't going to hold up. And that's where they're coming from, from a, a dollar perspective. They're like, hey, PayPal, they charge like 2.9% and Apple charges 30%. So they're 10 times higher than the market and everything like that. I'm like, this is just, I, I feel like they have very, very, very little chance, you know, just, just from a logic perspective of winning this case. And then also just by the fact that they're on, you know, PlayStation Store, you know, Nintendo, and they're also charging 30%. So it's kind of a bit like, well, why are you attacking Google? It seems, uh, and Apple, it seems a bit weird. But so we, maybe, know, so do we know those other platforms are also 30? Yeah, like pretty much it's industry standard. Okay. And that's also going to be a really hard thing to prove because the, the whole antitrust slash monopoly um, perspective, and this is generally a global perspective, is are you doing harm to the consumer? And I only know this because I work in financial services in Australia and a lot of people argue it's a monopoly, but you know, the argument's always around, are you doing harm to the consumer? So are you being unfair and unreasonable with your actions? And, and by the way, that that's why Epic has actually like sprung this trap, right? Because they're trying to do something, goat, you know, Apple and Google into doing something that they can argue, Hey, they're being unfair. Look at them, Wait, you know, wielding their say, power. Did you just say goat? I meant goad. <laughs> did I say goat? Goat. They're <laughs> so trying I mean to goad. Goad. Goad them into doing Thank that. You. No, I just, I just wanted to get an episode title from that. That's all. <laughs> um, and, and, like, I want to move on to the Google portion of this. So, you know, they, they did the same thing with Google. I think it took longer for Google to uh, follow suit and remove Fortnite from Google Play, and it didn't get as much airtime, even though there are more Android phones, and in theory, it actually would inf- impact more people. Now, Epic also sued Google, uh, and the lawsuit is different. I also flicked through that lawsuit. Now, with this lawsuit, I actually think that they have some kind of case in this lawsuit, right? So what they're trying to do is, they're trying to say in this lawsuit, and there's some really cool channels on YouTube, we'll, we'll link in, in the description on the clip show, but... 
you know, they're trying to argue that effectively Google is a little bit like Windows in the 90s. You know, when Windows was forcing users to have Internet Explorer? Uh, and then yeah. there was a big antitrust and the government won against uh, Microsoft in that case. And whether you agree or not with the case, it has become case law in America. Now, in in the case with Epic, it's really interesting. There's some stuff that came out in the lawsuit, which was Epic and Tim Sweeney had a deal with uh, the manufacturer OnePlus. I don't know if you know them. They're a fairly large uh, manufacturer. Uh, not familiar myself, but feel free to explain. Yeah, well, they're just like one of the largest Android um, OEMs. They're pretty popular in Australia, but they're massive in Asia. Now, Epic, they actually did a deal with them where they would actually install Epic on the phones by default. So you didn't have to go to the Google Play Store or anything. You just clicked on Epic and then you could install Fortnite or whatever whatever Epic games were on there. Ah, just, now, the just, like, just like iTunes and that U2 album. Hmm. <laughs> right but uh, you know i'm all for that right like if you want to do that fine like i don't want to buy a phone that has epic on it <laughs> but you know if that's the deal that they want to make and and the thing is you know epic then cuts out google so then epic can make money off all the in-app purchases because they've installed the app directly on the the android device now when google caught wind of this they actually went back to oneplus and said if you do that we will terminate your license to have Android as a, as a manufacturer. Now, this is where they're going to get themselves in trouble, I think, Google, because when you're trying to wield your power and you do something like that, and, you know, if you're the judge, you go, well, wait a second, like, what have they done? What has OnePlus done in this case? Like, they're trying to offer a benefit to a customer, and you've removed them from offering that benefit by using your power of, you know, you have the control of the license to be able to issue the license. So uh, like they're going to, they're potentially going to get themselves into a little strife in this one. It's just interesting. They just didn't copy and paste the lawsuit. Yeah. It is actually slightly different. There, there are. Like, I would have just assumed it's the same thing myself, but I'm not <laughs> no, the one that sat there and actually going through it. So it, it's, it's a bit different. There's some stuff that's like, they're arguing the same stuff that I don't think is going to fly, which is around, you know, the transaction fees are, they're just transaction fees in our purchases. So they're trying to set this whole thing up like as if, you know, one set of things is, you know, the app and then everything else is just payments, not actual transactions, which is just, it doesn't make sense to me. And I don't think anyone will let it fly, but yeah. And then there was also a really interesting one where they wrote some stuff about how Epic and Google were entering negotiations about how, how can you discount this fee? this 30% fee, right? And then Google was like, if you start using our services, we'll let you have discounts on those things, but not the 30%. It's, this this whole thing is just, as you said, this I think is going to end up being like almost like a watershed moment. Um, when Obviously, we don't know how it's all going to go yet, but I think we will see this kind of as the, you know, the start of something much bigger and see the ripples, I guess, across all the different platforms for probably for years to come. So, yeah. And, and I think that that's why I think like, this is so critical and I kind of love this kind of big business stuff, but I look at this and go, you know what, like this could, we could look back at this and this will probably take a year or two to actually settle in court. Um, but we might look back and go, Oh, actually this was a huge driver 
because whether this wins or loses, I think it's more the pressure it will put on to, you know, governments and sort of people to look at these markets and then just the providers themselves to actually just go, you know what, we might need to, you know, address uh, the fees and whether 30% is actually fair or not. Because to me, that does seem exorbitant, especially for the in-app purchases and very inconsistent because they don't charge these levels of fees for other services. Like if you're buying... And I think... Yeah, go on. No, sorry, finish. Yeah, no, I was just saying, if you're buying um, like an Amazon movie, they've done a deal with Amazon where it's, they don't charge 30%. I think they charge 10% or something. So they're, they're pre- pretty inconsistent, to be fair, with with how this is adjudicated. It's really just that it makes so much money, it's hard for them to say no to it. I, I think it's going to be really interesting to see how the sentiment towards Epic plays out as well, because we know that Epic Games Store had... a ton of negative uh i guess pr and online um reputation regarding when they started announcing all the you know it's been a while now but all the exclusives coming to the epic game store are oh, the anti-consumer and everything um mm. you know the fact you know we're going to talk about control um a bit later you know that was an epic game store exclusive and i wonder if i've already seen a lot of um you know, that that sentiment being Epic's favour because they're taking it to the big corporates, which is ridiculous because Epic is also a big corporate at this <laughs> point. Um, but it's going to be interesting to see if that actually ends up playing out in a very positive way for them and almost rebuilds that reputation in, uh, I guess, those circles. Now, I always thought that was ridiculous because it's, you know, it's just a platform just like Steam is a platform. But um, there were some legitimate gripes people had with Epic Game Store. But it's going to be interesting to see how that all plays out as well, just the perception of Epic. Mm, no, I totally agree. It's going to be... This is one to watch. It's going to play out over a long period of time. Halo Infinite. So Halo Infinite has had a delay. So we we saw a, a post on the official Halo Twitter site uh, from 343 Industries uh, saying, Today I want to share an important Halo Infinite development update with the community. We have made the difficult decision to shift our release to 2021 to ensure the team has adequate time to deliver a Halo game experience that meets our vision. And, you know, it goes on a bit further, but wow, like this actually kind of blew my mind when this happened. Like, I just didn't think that they would allow this to happen. I, I We didn't kind of mention it, but I, I had a sense that the game was not going to schedule in... It was just going to be a mess at launch, a bit like what happened with uh, MCC, uh, Master Chief Collection, when it first came out. Yeah, I, I, I'm i the same. I, this Of all games to get delayed, I would not have picked it to be Halo Infinite. Not only did they show the game off just a couple of weeks ago and seemed very confident to do so, even though they did say, you know, it's still, you know, in development footage, the fact that you know, even that recently they were, you know, really kind of positioning this as the big launch title for them to do it. Now, do I think it's a good idea? Yeah. Does it suck for people that were obviously looking forward to getting a Series X um, and play it on, on launch? Yeah, it sucks. But it's, what's the alternative, you know, to have a broken game, a rush game, um, and people to, you know, to just crunch and, you know, in the middle of, you know, pandemic, um, I guess, you know, development, 
it's it's horrible, but if it was necessary, then I think just like you know when Nintendo has to do the same um delaying games just the more if you need more time to work on the game then then take the time it obviously I could imagine the amount of marketing money and and timeline shifts there that would have have to happen um you know it's, it's it would not have been an easy decision to make yeah, but it's just. My gut reaction straight away was like, oh my god, like, is this going to kill Xbox? I know that, like, that's such an overreaction, and I've kind of, it settled in my own mind a bit, but it just felt like such a blow. I was like, like, what are they launching with? Because I think the context that we should say is um, that, you know, when I heard that it was getting delayed, it actually did make me think, are they going to delay their Series X? But in fact, they've actually come out and said it's coming out in November. So, yeah, like, what? That means that it has no exclusive titles. Is that correct? That's well, got to be correct, right? They, Forza could be an exclusive title. We don't know yet. Sure, so, sure. Um, the thing is, I think this whole trend of there having to be these huge games on launch is only a recent generation trend. You know, obviously, Super Nintendo, you had Mario World. I'm not going to dispute that. That wasn't a huge game to launch with. But they only had four games in total. Yeah, but, um, dude, at least Mario in Australia. <laughs> yeah, but Mario World, no, come I, on. No, I understand, I understand. But <laughs> when I look at... No, but even Xbox One, it doesn't didn't have huge titles that, like a Halo-level title, I should say. Yeah, but it right? didn't do well, right? Yeah, but it didn't do well for other reasons. I don't think it was the mm. software the problem there. It was the fact that people thought you had to be connected to the internet 24-7 to, to yeah, make the thing bad, work. bad, 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 bad. Um, yeah. So I'm I'm less interested about launch titles, and I know my that's just how I feel, and it, it is important. I'm not saying it's not. Um, I think they just... And hindsight's twenty twenty on this, but they shouldn't have probably ever pushed it to be a launch title if there wasn't any confidence in it. But they wouldn't have known, I guess. And if if that was the case, and I don't think anyone would be saying anything about the launch because we'd be in the same position. I don't think people would be like, well, what big game is there? Because we don't even know the launch date yet, and they're going to start announcing some of that stuff a bit more. But it is a huge blow, no doubt about it. Um, I just think that in given the fact that our game libraries, as especially as we, we all get older um, as well and you know have more... I say disposable income, obviously, people are going through very tough times at the moment. But mm. as you said last week, people are buying games, even oh, at yeah. this time. And we've all got so many games to play. I think with Series X, there's there's going to be games to play on it. You just can't play Halo, which sucks, but they need more time. Um, so I think we just have to, you know, just grin and bear it, unfortunately. And, and like, I kind of wonder, like, the logic, you know, of just being in the business business meeting room chatting about it you know what do we do do we push it back do we push it out kind of knowing that it's going to be a bit of a mess and fix it and kind of cop the pr flack and go okay hey guys you know we recognize that this isn't quite what we thought it was going to be this is what we're doing this is the plan because kind of not having it at all you know it's going to be hit either way right like this is not a net positive you can't ever argue this is a net positive so it's either you launch and it's bad, and does that really just bomb the Series X launch, or do you not have it? And then people, you know, because there is a scenario where in December people go, "Well, wait a second. because you know you got to think about the retail context as well. People go, "Oh, so I'm going to buy the Series X. What games does it have on it? Or nothing? 
like literally like that we know of like no and it doesn't feel like there's going to be a big name whereas my understanding is that Spider-Man Miles Morales is going to be available for the PS5 on launch and that like well, Spider-Man's that's a big game dude we but we don't we don't know yet, and that's why I was that's why I mentioned Forza yeah. because as much as where we may not be interested in it, that is a big name for a lot of people. Yeah, is it is it enough to save you know a launch from being you know a bit of a you know a bit lackluster? Maybe not, but that's why I mentioned the previous generations. Not every generation has always had you know a, the killer app on launch. A lot of the killer apps tend to come within the first six months basically like that's when sure. i think you start picking up people that aren't those launch day buyers and in terms of not being net positive 100 from a launch standpoint but when we're talking about the game itself because this ultimately to me the more interesting story here is about halo infinite not the actual launch which is probably the opposite of maybe sure. what you're thinking um it's it's better for the game because you know, the alternative is obviously also, you know, and we're going to mention what Phil Spencer kind of said about it as well, that, you know, if they'd split it up and launched it, for instance, with multiplayer, because that probably would have made the most sense if you're going to do it that way. Um, well, yeah, yeah well, let's, that, let's, that let's, let's move in. Let's move into the next segment. So a really weird thing happened during the week that Phil Spencer actually appeared on this very, you know, I'll give it clever uh, talk show, which uses Animal Crossing as a set. So, you know, people dial in from a COVID perspective, everyone's dialing into these sessions anyway. So the whole backdrop is is Animal Crossing. And yeah, he decided he wanted to appear on <laughs> this talk show, Animal Talking. Um, and yeah, as you pointed out, he actually discussed whether they should split it up. So I, I didn't actually hit a discussion. Was it like split it? split up the multiplayer is that what it was coming from yeah look that that's my expect my takeaway from it um similar to i mean call of duty has played around with this idea before i mean it's it's common these days uh, but it gets a lot of backlash you know street fighter 5 as well released you know only you know started i guess very bare bones and adding to it um and to me like that it would have if you're gonna ever do that it would have made sense to launch with the multiplayer component and then do the then the campaign after that because essentially i think if you launch with the campaign first people uh, i think more people would miss the multiplayer than miss the campaign in regards to you know like overall in that sense yeah if that makes if i'm making sense myself yeah but it's but he said that no they decided against it and i can kind of understand because then it's almost like well this is a lesser halo experience than the previous games and this is meant to be like it's you meant this is meant to be the best halo ever you know every new halo should be positioned as the best halo ever um and especially one that's kind of you know like launching with a new console or was launching for new console so, but just the whole fact that Phil Spencer was on an Animal Crossing talk show is just absolutely bizarre to me. And it's, it just, it's just like, that's like a little microcosm of where everything's at in the industry. Just, you know, Phil Spencer's always been really open and, you know, talking about how much he's, he loves, you know, Nintendo and things like that. Yeah. And obviously Nintendo and Microsoft have worked quite closely in recent years as well, which is is huge, but just the fact that you've got the head of Xbox on an Animal Crossing talk show, obviously not sponsored by Nintendo or backed by Nintendo, but it's still just really weird to me. I just love yeah, it. Yeah, 
but still on a on a um exclusive right on on Nintendo like Animal Crossing it's synonymous with Nintendo yeah. it's the only place you can oh, play yeah. it ever so it look it's one of those ones with how bizarre this year has been this is like a top 10 weird things of 2018 if it happened then <laughs> where it's like this year it's like a oh yeah so the guy who runs xbox he appeared in, in the animal crossing talk show eh. <laughs> like it's weird he also, he also shared the virtual couch with uh, lisa loeb and i'm like i did i'd forgotten all about lisa loeb do you remember do you remember <laughs> so lisa loeb I, no i've forgotten about it totally i do recognize the name who's lisa loeb again lisa loeb she's a musician so oh, yeah, I just yeah, yeah. like I swear she was like late nineties or early two thousands. Um, but yeah, I was just like, wow, that what a random cl- two guests to have on this talk to talk show. At oh the same yeah, time. yeah, I so, do know. Yeah, stay. That's so weird. <laughs> that's so <laughs> odd. Like that's a weird like booking. Like why would you just have Phil Spencer on as a special? Right. Like anyway. Uh, but yeah, look, like I, maybe she's a regular guest. We don't know, mate. But anyway, but it's just, I just a weird little story. But obviously, he did kind of, you know, discuss Halo a bit. And I don't know if I think that might have been his first, potentially his first public comments about after they announced a leak, like a, yeah, it was. a couple of days earlier. But yeah, no, it was because I did see that news and I thought, what? Like Phil Spencer's commenting this through Animal Crossing. I was like, what am I reading? <laughs> Like, this is weird. But, like, so I didn't... I'm not sure if I knew... I I took away what your view was. Do you think that they should have launched with a multiplayer-only version, kind of going, hey, sorry, we wanted to give you some kind of Halo experience. It's not ideal, but, you know, better than having nothing? Or or do you think you agree with where they came from and delayed the whole thing? I agree with delaying the whole thing. Uh, I just think it'll overall... It'll overall end up being a better game for it. And we saw it with Cyberpunk this year. We saw it with a whole bunch of other games, including Avengers, got pushed back multiple times. Um, we're about to talk about another game. It's not on that scale, but it's also been pushed back. They're, games need to be delayed sometimes. Um, yeah. And as much as people complain about it, a lot of those people that complain probably wouldn't have even bought it when it first launched, they probably would have waited months for it to go cheap. They're just like complaining about things, but it sucks for people that are obviously super excited and had pre-orders and everything. I'm not going to say that it doesn't suck. Uh, so like, I mean, the final thing I just wanted to say about this, this delay before we get on to another delay is just, I actually wish they, they did release the multiplayer version only. And you know how I would have done it. It would have been like, look, we could have done it either way. We could have released the multiplayer or like pushed it back but what we want to do is release the multiplayer make that digital only so you know not have the physical stuff out in the stores because we want to make sure that when you get that physical version it's got the campaign and the multiplayer on it and it is free to play and we're going to go even further we're going to say it's free to play you don't even need xbox live like you know because you currently do need xbox live to play it for free with the multiplayer when they release that like, we're going to remove that as well, just as a sort of a gesture to say, you know what, you know, obviously this is not ideal, but we want to give you some Halo experience over the holiday. We know it's been a tough year, right? Like, I don't yeah, see I, a loss there for me personally. I wonder if, because obviously they've, they're working on the multiplayer, you know, now as well as the campaign, but I wonder if there's a whole bunch of multiplayer maps that are based in the story locations as well. And mm. that's a small thing. 
but that has happened Maybe. in previous games. Now, so, sometimes there'll True. be completely random maps, um, but it's more even like I think visually they will obviously reuse textures and like and like the general locations and I guess the the you know what's the sky map or whatever they call it you know like the backgrounds oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and things and you're like wait why are we looking at this location why can we see this you know um and that's an easy thing to work around because they can just probably just re-skin stuff um if they want to do that but i yeah it's interesting i think the fact that and you just mentioned it i've completely forgotten that the multiplayer is free to play that throws a big spanner in the works of how you think about this in some ways because you want to make sure that people buy this game that aren't on Game Pass, and suddenly the fact that you know they've launched the multiplayer first, people are like, well, the only place we can get it is free to play, and that's all I ever care about. You, you maybe you'll lose some sales there, but it's interesting, and I, I think that we will kind of probably almost forget that it was originally meant to be a launch title in you know five years. It was just, oh, Halo came out. I reckon it'll probably end up coming out probably in 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 Feb around that timeline, which is not that long after when you think yeah, because we didn't talk about that. I reckon it'll be longer. I just think I think it's more like a March April game, just because you know why would you delay only two months? Normally these things get delayed a little bit more than that. Yeah, we'll see. We'll see what mm. they end up moving it to. Yeah, fair enough. And in other delay news. We also have Vampire the Masquerade Bloodlines 2 also delayed to 2021. So this was actually announced the day before Halo. And while obviously this is not going to get the level of news, I think they would have also been happy to be like, oh, Halo got delayed? Sweet, no one's going to even talk about us at all. So this sequel is been in development for quite a while and is uh, the sequel to 2004's cult classic RPG, which is based on the... Vampire Masquerade's tabletop series, which I'm not in tabletop gaming, but has a whole massive world around it. There's a whole bunch of not only previous video games, but there's also games have been in development that are not this game at the same time, um, like visual novels. And there's also, as part of the same world of um, Vampire Masquerade's, there's like a, a wider world as well, and there's different games coming out. Um, I forget the names of it, but it's like in the werewolf line. So there's so many different like things happening with this one property, but this was the game that people wanted, really wanted, and essentially, you know, essentially they've had to delay. I think it's been developed by a company called Hardsuit Labs and published by Paradox, and they essentially just said, you know, a basic statement what you'd expect. They just need more time. So mm. I think this this really sucks because. It's, you know, 2004, you know, it's been a long time. And I think people thought that they'd never see another game um, in this series, at least in the style. And, oh, well, you know, again, with Halo, I think, especially in a smaller developer like this, the last thing you want is people to rush it out, especially when it's been uh, anticipated for so long. So, yeah, I guess, uh, I don't, honestly, I don't think this is going to be the last game we hear of delays just with everything going on with the pandemic. So. No, and, and that's the thing, like, just given this year, it's, you know, games that are launching with the title, uh, sorry, launch titles, always are, like, some of the craziest crunch periods, because they're still not super familiar with the, the hardware, and there's a fixed date that you got to hit, <laughs> and it's like, if you're a launch title, historically, you always hit that hit that date, um, and just given the, the world that we're in, the issues that we're having, and... 
you know, like working from home. So like a lot of different conditions for people, you know, yeah, you just wonder how many games are going to get delayed. And, you know, a game like Cyberpunk 2077, I kind of wonder in the future if people will look at that and go, oh, that's like a launch title for the PS5 and Mm. the Xbox One, right? But, but, uh, sorry, Series X, I should say, but it's not. Like, that's the weird thing about it to me, that they're, they're not releasing it as a launch title. Like, they're releasing it on the PS4 and Xbox One, and it's on the... Like, I didn't check this beforehand, but my prediction is that uh, the the new consoles will get released on the 20th of November, which is a week before Black Friday. And Cyberpunk 2077 is coming out on the 19th of November. So it's going to be, like, crazy if it actually does eventuate like that, where you have... You know, one of the biggest games of the year, if not the biggest, it's up there with Last of Us Part Two and probably Animal Crossing. But from an anticipation point, I think across all platforms, Cyberpunk to me is the number one for this year. And you've got like that game coming out, and then the next gen. But then that game is really not built for the next gen, and it's not getting released on the next gen until 2021. It's just so odd, right? I was about to say, I didn't know if they'd given a date around their, I guess, next-gen upgrade, but if they've said 2021, then... Yeah, so yeah. they confirmed that. So, because what I was expecting them to do, you know how they delayed it, I was being a bit cynical. And to be fair, CD Projekt Red are very consumer-friendly, almost like too much from a very business-headed person like me, but, you know, they're very fair to consumers, to be fair to them. And I kind of was being cynical and thinking, well, they're delaying the game and it's kind of like so close to next-gen why don't you launch it on next gen along with like the previous gen and make a stack of money? Cause it's like the number one title you'd get on next gen if it was available there. But I don't think that, that, you know, that they wouldn't make that date. You know, they, they wouldn't, they, I don't know when they may obviously made the decision to start, you know, a development pathway for these upgraded versions on the next gens. But Mm. I don't think they, you know, given they've already had to delay, the release multiple times now, you know, it was meant to come out. I can't remember. It was like March or whatever, then got delayed again. Um, yeah. I, I don't think they would have been able to hit the launch if they'd done that. Yeah. No, fair enough. Yeah. And they probably, it would have been a bit contrived because they would have really need to, you know, target and focus on that. And maybe that would make the current version suffer even more and then get a lot of backlash. Mm-hmm. Um, but speaking about next gen, uh, so further next gen news. So the DualSense has been leaked from a perspective around the controller. So they've actually got um, it, this is this got leaked on Twitter. It appears that someone who works uh, on controller accessories, so accessories for the console, they like this has always been known that they do get the physical consoles and the controllers, and they can't really use them but they used the actual physical devices to test the accessories and the molds and the prototypes to make sure that they fit and everything's like working well. And it seems like this person, uh, and like, I think, you know, for you and I, we're always on the same page as this. This is wrong to do this. If you're in a position like this and you have access to this stuff, you should not share it. You are breaching, you know, number one, your employer, but it's also doing the wrong thing from my perspective, but it is out there in the public. Um, but yeah, the, the the new piece of information here is that the actual capacity for the DualSense battery is now known, uh, if this is correct. So, and Yeah, go on. So, Intercom, 
can I ask, what is the DualSense? Because I don't think we've clarified that the DualSense <laughs> is the new PlayStation 5 controller. Yes. Well, I'm I'm like, I, I, where's he going to mention the word PlayStation 5? I'm sure that most people listening are going to know what they'll... And they're probably, if they're watching on YouTube, they're going to see a picture of it. They know exactly yes. what it looks like. But yeah, I don't... Yeah. When you say that... Like, I know, but when I think of the of DualSense, like, I'm like, oh, that's right. That's what the PlayStation 5 controller is, is called. Like, I don't... I, I the fact that Sony always named their their uh, controllers is really funny to me because I'm just oh, like it's okay. the PlayStation controller, it's the Xbox One controller. That's so funny. To me, it's just the controller of the console, you know, like to name it. The only thing I, that made sense to me was the Wii Mote because there were like they also had you know the different uh, they had the like nunchuck and stuff, so they kind of had to name things there so people knew what they're talking about. Anyway, which, I just wanted just... to like. Give me crap <laughs> no, no, that. no. It's a good point. It's a good point to clarify. And there's a couple of things there. Number one, you know, the whole Wiimote thing, it made me laugh because Nintendo always instructed everyone that they worked with, never, ever, ever call it Wiimote. It's Wii oh, okay. Remote, which just made me laugh because no one called it Wii <laughs> Remote outside of when they had to. And whenever they'd refer to it, they'd always say Wiimote. <laughs> um, and yeah, it's just funny. You know, sorry, like, on, on that note, can I just mention, right, this is completely off topic. But yeah. I think it's a good chance to. I'm fairly certain the first time I ever heard about the Wii name yeah. was actually like in like the living room at like one of at your old house or something. And I'm like, was it? I think we were talking. Yeah, like I think that that's when I found out about it. I just happened to be like hanging around with you at the time because like that is that when i think about when i heard about it i just remember sitting there at like the dining room table just being like what are they smoking like <laughs> we what the hell and to their credit you know like as much as i'm not a, a fan of that era of nintendo they the name was not the problem the name was fine so i just thought that was just really interesting so i'm always obsessed about names and that name is one of the names i always go to where it's like the name doesn't matter like, the name really doesn't matter. As long as it's not, like, impossible to say. Like, and I always try to remember this, but what is it? Like, supersonic, acrobatic, hyperpowered rocket, rocket cars rocket or whatever. battle cars. Yeah. And it's like, that's oh, a that terrible Oh, that game no name. one remembers. Exactly. And then the spiritual sequel to that, Rocket League. Okay, that's a good name. But you don't need to have a good name. You just need to not have the supersonic blah, blah, blah name. Um, yeah, and that's that's the thing is like because when you said name doesn't matter, I think what you said there nails it. It only matters if you've got a bad name, like yeah. the Wii U, or like a cheese brand in Australia that is going to change its name finally, which I'm not <laughs> even going to mention. Like that's how bad the name is, <laughs> right? <laughs> um, so yeah, if you've got a bad name, Washington Redskins NFL team, you probably don't know what I'm talking about. Change your name, just move on. Change your name. Call yourself Washington Football Club. That's fine. Move on. Um, and it it does just kind of going back to the dual sense, which is PlayStation oh, yeah, 5's next gen controller. <laughs> PlayStation 5's next gen controller. Um, it is it is funny because like we're not like console war people. I don't think we care. We'd probably get every console if we had the money. Um, it, it is funny how like from a PlayStation perspective, everyone always says Dual Shock Two, Dual Shock Three, Dual Shock Four. Like that's part of PlayStation. So to not go DualShock 5, which people were already saying, it is funny now to just go DualSense. What What was the PlayStation 3 one? Uh, something... Six Axis. Six Axis, that's <laughs> See, right. I, oh, no like one remembers thing. that. 
That was horrible, like, man. That was so bad. It was, what was the it was Lair, wasn't it? That was Factor Five's the game that put Factor Five in 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 the grave. Which is, oh, they were such a good developer, and I miss them. Well, there, there was a story behind that because they were actually uh, in a lawsuit, I believe, Sony over um, I think it was a vibration or something like that. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that they needed to take out of that six-axis controller. It's horrible. It feels horrible. It's really light. It's yeah. I've got one actually. I really don't like it. And I like, don't know if I have the, a DualShock Three. To what be was the What was the PlayStation that originally had the boomerang controller? Was that PS2? PS3. So that, that was a PS3. prototype PS3 one. Yeah. So wait. So PS3 also ha- so had the boomerang and the six axis. So. It was meant to have the boomerang, and then everyone was like, "Wow, that yeah. looks horrible!" And it does. Yeah, I know, looks... I know, I know. And then they had they got the six axis instead. For, so it was yeah, PS3 but... that had both of those. Wow. Yeah, yeah, but the six axis, in fairness to them, it's it, you know, like I think from memory, and I might be wrong, but from memory, they were in a lawsuit, and they were trying to you know, you know, basically uh, get something around the Wii, right? So more like gyro stuff. So that's where that six axis crap came in and it was horrible. And then, yeah, later they released a DualShock 3, which everyone loves. I, my point is that that's just a real unfortunate, like different, basically for one console to have that many, I, I guess, like, uh, yeah, Iterations you know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. Yeah. It, what? To basically be like, oh, we can't figure out exactly all that we've got things influencing um, rather than, oh, well, this is a new controller and that, that's what it is. And I say that, you know, a lot of the stuff Nintendo's shown off, like the original DS, when they, Nintendo DS, like it looks so different to what it ended up being. So it's, you know, they're not the only, obviously, company that has showcased something and then decided, no, actually, that doesn't work. Mm. And and like it is something funny about Sony though because they do revise the core controller more often than you think. So with the first PlayStation PS One, which we'll talk about later in the show, not too far away, they went from you know no analog, and you know so it was almost like a Super Nintendo controller to be honest, to then adding in. Uh, analog and then like rumble as well. Like that's when the DualShock yeah. One came out, and that was like the core controller. Like whereas most other console manufacturers, I'm just trying to think actually. Like you never see Nintendo iterate the controller live in the lifespan. Really, like you kind of have the offshoots, like you know the the dog bone NES controller. Do you remember that? Mm. So stuff like that. Yeah. But- yeah, you'll see slight revisions. Like, for instance, the uh, Xbox One controllers at launch are actually slightly different than what they are oh, really? you know, these days. Yeah, so what's different? Um, just to, I didn't know. Uh, that. Just the the bumpers work quite differently. Like the original bumpers Ooh. on Xbox One controller were really bad, um, and oh, really? you got to the point where you'd have to, like, after a while, you'd have to click at the top at like the apex of the button to get it oh, to actually yeah. work. And what was really frustrating was I the first game I bought for um, Xbox One, um, which is why I bought the console, was Dark Souls 2, Scholar of First Sin. And anyone who's played Dark Souls knows that you're pressing the right bumper a lot because that's your primary normal attack button. Every uh, attack okay. you do is the right bumper. And after a while, it just got so excruciating that... Um, yeah, that that was that was a horrible thing. They fixed that, and uh, I think the, they've gone through a couple of D-pad changes here and there but um yeah but they didn't change like 
if someone a general consumer is looking at one and looking at the other, they wouldn't be able to tell the difference, you know, or like uh, they'd have to no, know just, about some of these changes. Unlike yeah, the Dual Shock, the PlayStation to Dual Shock was wow, you know, and then they launched one. There was like, Ape Escape was a huge thing that used the dual analogs and things. Yeah, correct. So, yeah, yeah. No, I didn't realize that they've had so many revisions, and it's also like you know added back in the three point five mil jack, and they didn't have Bluetooth yeah. in the earlier ones. Exactly. On Xbox. That's the other one. Yeah, Bluetooth was the one I was trying to think of yeah. um, because my yeah they obviously now you don't need any kind of adapter or anything to just use it on PC. You just as long as you've got Bluetooth, I should say. So. <laughs> Yeah, no, that's, that kind of blew me away, actually. I didn't know all this stuff about the Xbox control. It, like, you know, and I'm not an Xbox user, but I'd look at the Xbox One controller, especially, you know, the Elite 2, and I'd probably look at it and go, it's probably the best controller that's ever been made. <laughs> it just looks like, you know, everything about it looks very refined. Um, so I, I'm actually interested in using it eventually uh, when I pick up an Xbox at some stage, yeah, maybe. I'm... I'm keen to see what the the new one, the Series X ones are like because I think um, I think they've they've got found a good formula for it and it's kind of almost like I'd say that the Dual Shock to Dual Shock Two to Dual Shock Three. There's obviously differences, but you know the core model is very similar. Obviously, Dual Sense is so different. <laughs> Dual Sense yeah. is very different. So you got to give you got to give it to Sony for actually doing something a bit different for once, as much as some people don't like it. Yeah, which is different to what they normally do, and and probably just rounding out the the update around the dual sense. So the reason why the whole battery capacity is so important is for me the biggest problem with the DualShock Four is the lifespan of it and the capacity of it's horrible compared to something like my Switch Pro controller, which you know I kind of forget that I need to charge it, and then I'm like, oh, okay, it's running low, I'll go charge it. The DualShock is a third of the time. So I think it's like 10 to 14 hours. So you pretty much need to put it on the charge all the time um, if you're playing regularly. So, you know, a 50% bump up compared to what the DualShock 4 is from a battery. And then also, you know, as innovations go and connectivity and chips get better and more efficient, more energy efficient, you know, I'm guessing that it's probably going to be, you know, more of a 20 hour or 15, 20 hour, maybe even higher battery lifespan on the controller the dual sense so i think that that's pretty reasonable um and, and you know that will probably work for most people and that's a nice bump up and you know sticking to controllers so we're going to talk about the xbox series x or series s or white controller that seems to be leaked yeah i apparently they got it off some retail site and i'm like how the hell do they even have that already? No, no, no. So they, they got it off. We don't have it in Australia, but it's the equivalent for us of like Gumtree. It's like a local ah, selling thing. Like it's okay, okay. a third party, like third, you know, secondary market. So yeah, but it's true. Wow. Yeah. They, they picked it up for like 40 bucks or something. It'd been listed. So yeah, basically this packaging um, had a whole bunch of, obviously, you know, controllers will show what, things are compatible with and it said xbox series x and it also said xbox series s which mm. kind of you know assuming that you know and there was a video with this and lots of photos so if it if it's someone you know pulling a dodgy they've done a very good job of it it pretty much confirms the worst kept secret um currently i'd say the industry which is uh xbox project lockhart which is basically mm. 
a lower tier uh, skew of the Xbox Series X, um, kind of like what the Xbox One S is at the moment. And, oh my god, I hate this naming so much. Microsoft, keep killing me. <laughs> it's so horrible. And okay, so <laughs> you know, I just mentioned how I, you know, we don't normally fall into like a console war thing, but I thought that this was fake, personally. Whereas I don't but, know why. I just feel like the Dual Sense isn't. But this one looked fake to me. It just looked like exactly like the Xbox One controller with oh, the so, minor modifications they need. Oh uh, yeah, but I mean they when they turn it around and everything, you see it's actually quite different. So like in the shape, mm. there's like the top of it especially. Um okay. and where the I guess where the charge cable goes in and everything like that. I don't think it is simply because I was expecting Microsoft to start selling this ahead of time for PC. Oh, okay. So that my expectation was they didn't uh, they have announced that, but I don't, I don't think so. Um, I was expecting them to put this out um, as, hey, this is you know just like they sell the contr- the current Xbox One controllers for PC to basically be you know, hey, you can buy this now so you can start playing these games yeah. on PC. That was kind of my expectation, but maybe they were waiting for launch. So, okay, interesting. Yeah, no, it just it seemed sus to me. Something about it, and also the packaging looked a bit off to me. It just didn't look. I don't know. It just didn't look quite right. It looked like a Photoshop to me. Like it looked. So to be clear, I'll just say one thing. To be clear, I think that this is physical. Like there's a real physical thing that they've done. But to me, it looks like a counterfeit. Like, so, I don't know, it just thing, didn't ring true to me for some why, reason. So you reckon that the person taking the video thinks it's real? Not or sure. Or do you reckon... Not because sure. why would you go to the trouble for the most one of the most boring things to try to leak? You know, this isn't new Smash oh. Brothers character. This is, this is really boring, like Xbox One S, okay? We all kind of knew it was probably going to be named something like that, um, <laughs> just based off what Microsoft is doing with their stupid naming at the moment. But, I feel okay. I feel like can I just say I don't know. There should be a rule or something like that. But I think you trying to apply logic to the internet and oh, <laughs> it's unreasonable that they would try to do something like so twisted or you know like why would they? Yes, they would. No, people, but for like, such a boring thing though, like yes, hundred percent interesting man. stuff. Hundred percent, you know that. Man. They tried it like we talked about before that oh people putting listings up you know and end up being fake listings for the price of the PlayStation Five like that's a big thing. This is boring, you know. Like we all know it's happening. Why would you bother putting a fake controller together with it? <laughs> because people talk about it. We're talking about it in Australia, right? <laughs> like people are weird. People are odd, and it's odd time. I don't know. Look, there's a gut feel that I have on this one, and I'm probably wrong. Right? I'll put my hand up. In advance, probably like, hey, I'm probably going to be wrong about this. And I'll about also it. put my hand up that I don't know. You know, like, I literally don't know if it's real or not. I'd taken this as being, like, 90% real, though. Yeah. And to be fair, like, this one was actually more reported than even the DualSense, which is the PlayStation 5's next-gen controller. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> Just making sure it's really clear. So, two controller leaks, potentially... Uh, I think the DualSense one's real. I'm dubious about this one. I, I do like the screen where it actually goes not assigned controller, but it's almost like too elaborate. It's like this guy is like thought, oh, I'll put this up. And then, you know, it, it, it like people will have to believe it if it says not assigned. I feel like it wouldn't be not assigned. Ah, oh, I don't know. 
<laughs> I'm getting too 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 controlling. Too controlling about this controller. And and should we talk about more more about control? <laughs> Thank you for the, I'm like, please do the segue. Please do the segue. <laughs> Thank you. I'm not I'm not that dumb. Um so control. Control. How nice is this remedy? They're giving a free next gen update. How amazing. If you've bought the control ultimate edition. <laughs> So this Control Ultimate Edition, it's coming out on Steam on August 17, uh, and it's the first time it will be available on Steam. It includes all of the DLC, that's correct? I believe so. Yeah. Um, and then it's also available on Epic Games Store, Xbox One, PS4. This is actually like, you know, I'm interested in picking up this Ultimate Edition. I'm going to keep my eyes on it, but the story didn't, here didn't is... You mention, didn't you mention something like this? Like, oh, if they had a version for all the DLC, like... I yeah, literally. It up, I think when we talked about no, control. no, that's what I said last no, like, week or the and week then they prior. This. I know. I know. <laughs> well, this is. I, look, the thing is, I'm very frugal. Or like my wife says, I'm cheap. But um, I'm very frugal. You know, I, I'm patient. It's not great for the podcast, right? but I'm very patient. And this game is like really high up on my list. For I'll, I'll skip my backlog and play this game. Um, but I just wanted to wait until they have the Ultimate Edition, which they do now. Normally they call it Game of the Year Edition. That's what I'm very <laughs> interested in waiting for. Um, but yeah, the the story here is that you can only get the next-gen update for PS5 and Xbox Series X, X slash S um, if you have the Ultimate Edition. And yeah, they're getting a hell of a lot of backlash for this. And I don't believe that they've changed the position as as the time of recording, which I'm anticipating they will change the position on this because they're going to get so much backlash over this. What are your thoughts on this one? I'm just distracted by the most trivial thing ever. So just a, a bit of inner workings about this <laughs> podcast. You know, we, we've got a run sheet where we have the stuff. And I just realized that, like, I bolded an entire heading of this, like, topic and I didn't bolt the last letter. And it's just really frustrating. Oh, yeah, I noticed that too. The word addition, kind of stuff. The, the N, the N isn't bolded. I need to fix it. All right. Ah, <laughs> oh, done. Okay, I can talk again. Whew. All right. Cross is averted. <laughs> uh, so I, I'm in two minds with this. Right. Mm. First of all, I hate when people feel super entitled to things that they that were never part of their original purchase. Right. When you purchase this game, there was never any indication that hey, you know you're going to somehow get an upgrade path for the new consoles. They wouldn't have known, obviously, that that was going to be a thing themselves anyway, right? Um, remedy. But it's the other half of me is, yeah, it's completely sucks that they're only offering it to people that buy the Ultimate Edition. The thing for me is that, okay, the Ultimate Edition, I, I love those releases because, yeah, the same as you, I like, you know, sometimes I'll just wait for a game and be like, oh, okay, I'm going to get the whole thing with the DLCs. Like, that's why I haven't played Borderlands 3 yet, because they generally yeah. release about four or five DLCs for them. And every other game, I've always bought them and played it all in one go. The And so it sucks that they're only offering it there. But I hate the fact that people are basically saying, no, we, we're owed this. Yeah, I hate like, that as well. No, you're not owed it, right? What, to me, a good... A, I wouldn't, it still wouldn't have obviously appeased everyone, far from it. But there's a season pass for Control, right? Which is basically, when you think about it, the same as the Ultimate Edition in many ways. It's the game yeah. plus the DLCs. 
to me, a good middle line would have been well, if you also had the season pass, which is essentially the equivalent of owning this game already Ultimate Edition, then you'll also get it. To me, that would have been a kind of a good middle line. It wouldn't have obviously stopped people being pissed off. But this whole free, you're getting a free upgrade on next gen is only a thing now. It's never been a thing before, with the exception of a couple of situations like Assassin's Creed Black Flag, where uh, Ubisoft basically said, okay, we'll, we'll discount or we'll give you the new one. You know, it's, it's not an expected thing in the past. But, but it, it's but really it is a thing in the past. It is a thing that they have to tackle each time. They do it differently. Uh, and they get themselves no, into the, trouble. No, no. The way it's always worked in the past is they when they re-release on a new console, you buy it again. That's the way it's always worked. No, no. Every but the last game. console, the last generation, they did offer upgrades, and sometimes it was very, like pay six bucks. Very, it was very minimal, though. Like sure. the the gen, the general rule was okay. We're re-releasing like Dishonored Definitive Edition. It was always Definitive Editions on the new consoles. You never got those for free. And there was very, no, no, I agree, I agree. And there were very few that offered it at a discounted rate. I think generally the way it worked was people that had it on Steam often got the upgrade because it was very minimal because they were almost already running the definitive editions. Like Skyrim is an example, right? When they re-released Skyrim on the on you know current gen, uh, they either they either sold it the upgrade. Um, I can't remember if it was free or if it was like a very small upgrade, but basically PC was different, right? But oh, yeah, but there was a lot, of, a lot of people getting annoyed about that as well on Steam as well, by the way. But um... yeah. So the, the thing with this, right, is that what I also completely understand is things have changed. And mm. I can kind, of, can kind of almost point at Microsoft for this because they've almost made it like a given with all their games and everything and the whole smart delivery and now we're at the point where consumers or gamers, I should say, um, expect it. And this is one of the first few games to kind of buck that trend and make it, you know, obviously they're still giving it to you free, but you just not for the standard version of the game. But it just, yeah, it does irk me that people are acting like this is something that they are, um, that they're entitled to, basically. Well, and can I ask a really dumb question? Because, like, I'm more yeah. of a physical gamer, right? <laughs> so I've bought Control on the Xbox One. I'll be able to plug that into the Series X, like, the disc, and play it. Yeah? All good? Uh, well... Because it's backwards compatible. So uh, it won't look at, like, it won't have the next-gen upgrade. It won't have, like, super sexy graphics, all that kind of stuff. But I'll be able to play I- it. I don't think they've 100% confirmed it's every single game yet. So I, what I would say is that is likely the case, but you'd probably have to wait for them to like officially release a list of games that are actually but, confirmed for it. So I don't think they haven't... Other than the games I've already said, every yeah. other game, it's almost like you have to kind of put an asterisk for now until they actually confirm that it is actually going to be backwards compatible. But it's pretty much all their messaging has been that way. But yeah, I would be hesitant to assume that is the case. Because then how would it work if I've bought it digitally? Like if I bought Control digitally on the Xbox One, can I just, like, does it pop up on the Series X if it's compatible? Yeah, so that's the way it works at the moment okay. with 360 games and, okay. and that. It, and you're able to filter if you want to basically say show only Xbox One games or 360 games. Okay. But the, it's yeah, also yeah. very different at the moment because you have to... 
like that's for digital, but for physical, it's very different in the sense that you have to like put the game in and then it just downloads it. But that yeah. game, like now they've built the systems around it, whereas with the Xbox One, it was kind of a, you know, they had to work that into an ecosystem that wasn't built for it. So Yeah. And they, they, like to be fair to Microsoft, they did a great job with that stuff and basically you know as a more of a pc switch or non-xbox gamer is the easier way to say what i was about to say as a non-xbox gamer i look at it with envy and go it feels like everything just works and probably doesn't but for me it's like a magical place where like oh they're getting xbox games to work on the xbox one which is like wow that's just insane um you look like i i land exactly the same as you on, on this if you've bought the DLC for Control. So you've bought it and launched, bought DLC for it, put, you know, fair good investment into it, and a game that didn't sell that well, and then they've gone and said, no, 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 you needed to have bought the Game of the Year edition, and you've bought all this DLC, but that won't count. That's, I think that's actually a mistake on their part, like, to do that. And they could definitely like honor the dlc like if you've got the dlc on your system you will get the ticket that says you can get the next gen upgrade i think that that's it's actually i just think that's wrong like what they've done and to me from a business perspective i just think it's dumb as well because it's such an obvious thing that seems unfair um but yeah yeah, for me go on sorry to cut your thoughts so just think about the the technical part of this as well is that people bought normal control uh, and let's say they haven't bought the DLC. If they're expecting the free upgrade, that free upgrade, the version on the next-gen console, is going to be packaged together with the DLC. Then they'd have to figure out, oh, does the person have the DLC 1? Do they have the DLC 2? And then figure out when they do that, are they? does it apply that they also get the DLC 1, DLC 2? No, it's one package because it's the ultimate edition that's going to be on the next-gen console. So there's a whole bunch of like working around that have to do to even make that the case. So exactly what you just said... If the people have the DLCs, or and that's why I said the season pass, it's easiest because then you know that they're going to have access to everything. Then, then that applies, but otherwise, it shouldn't apply, in my opinion. Yeah, yeah. Look, I get what you're saying. I, again, you know, we've spoken about this a lot. I feel like timing is really important, and I know they want to get the game out, but it's sort of like why drive the timing when you know you're releasing this update in September almost don't even mention the next gen upgrade because you know it's only a couple of months till next gen anyway yeah i guess they they want to sell copies of this so that's why they 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 mention it you know they they want you know there's the weird thing is you know there's there's people that may just purchase this again that haven't bought any DLCs because it probably even makes financial sense to do it considering they're going to get the free upgrade. So, yeah. Well, this is a very small game and I think we've got a very big game. Yes. So, The Last of Us Part 2, that small title, you know, that that no one talked about at all for the last couple of months. Um didn't get all of its, you know, storyline linked or anything, and that Swinney has definitely played a lot of it, considering he's, you know, a big PlayStation owner. Uh, <laughs> Last of Us Part Two is seeing a pretty substantial update um, that actually should have gone live a couple of days ago, and this, um, you know, as kind of alluded to, you know, upfront, I haven't played this game, and uh, Intercot, you haven't played it either, but no. the, what this uh, update introduces is quite 
quite a lot to it. So it adds a new grounded difficulty, which was in the previous uh, Last of Us. So they've reintroduced that, which is basically not quite a survival mode akin to the Fallout games, but is very much, um, you know, very much the hardest difficulty, but, you know, a lot more scarce resources and things. So it's for people that are obviously looking for more of a challenge. But to me, the more interesting uh, one is they've also added a new permadeath mode. And that can be enabled on any difficulty. So there's obviously going to be some crazy people out there that combine these two. And if they do combine the both of them, then they'll actually get two new trophies they're introducing for beating the game with permadeath and beating the game on this new difficulty. But you mean aside from trophies these... or... Yeah, trophies. trophies. Okay, yeah. Go Sorry. On, yeah. What, what did I say? Did I say trophies? No, trophies, trophies. I was thinking of platinums, but no, no. I'm getting myself confused. <laughs> um, so what they're also... What's really cool is they're also adding a whole bunch of modifiers to the game. And I'm not, you know, there's lists out there, but basically, you know, they have new graphics filters that you can switch on and off, mm. um, audio filters and gameplay modifiers. And there's quite a bit there. It almost reminds me of the cheat codes you can enable in Turok 2 to make like big head mode and, you know, wireframe mode and stuff. So it's really yeah, cool. they're making that... a comeback in games. Have you noticed yeah. that? Oh, yeah. And Crash a lot of... 4 is going to have it as well. Well, a lot of it's also um, games that have photo modes, like uh, Ghost of Tsushima mm. had had a lot of. Generally, it's always within the game, the photo mode itself, but then you can apply lots of filters and things there as well. But generally, that's not gameplay. So this is, you know, uh, gameplay stuff. So I just thought it's, it's really cool. Obviously, this game is going to be supported for a while, but it's great uh, that you know it's pretty soon after release that they got this pretty decent update. So. And just to, you know, bring people in behind the, the veiled curtain of Big Week in Gaming, I was debating whether we should even talk about this, but definitely wanted to talk about the Hori <laughs> Split Pad Pro. Uh, <laughs> new colours coming on board, but but no, I'm glad no, we have. Because let's, not, let's not talk about the second biggest, biggest game, game of the year, because Animal Crossing <laughs> is the biggest game. But let's well, talk about the Hori the biggest... Split Pad Pro. <laughs> It's definitely the biggest PlayStation game, but it's actually, you know, even when you were talking about the, the, the filter modes, I almost am certain that they do this because of streamers, you know, like they, you know, and video creators, content creators, cause then you can create interesting looks at the game. And mm. I, I, do you, do you reckon that that's the case? Cause why do they have this otherwise? It Look, just seems that odd. Makes- that makes sense. It's, mm. I mean, there's, there's like Ghost of Tsushima itself, different developer, of course, but that had like a Kurosawa mode where the game was like, I don't know if it was silent, it makes sense if it was silent, but it was like black and white, like, you know, Kurosawa films and stuff. So yeah. it's, you know, it's, it's, it's just nice. It's nice to add it in. And, um, you know, I do hope one day to play through uh, these games. Um, you know, I, they're, they're big gaps in my my gaming history, so I'm looking yeah. forward to them eventually. Well, I don't know about Ghost of Tsushima because just you know does it add much to that whole genre? Um, but I do think you'll definitely play Last of Us Part Two. Like that that seems to be one of those kind of you got to play these kind of games before you die type of games. You know what I mean? That's that's very morbid, but yes, I agree. <laughs> very full on in a COVID era. <laughs> But let, let's get on to the topic I really want to talk about. The biggest Hori... news story of the week. <laughs> For me, I love it. The Hori Split Pad Pro, which is, is kind of a tongue twister, actually, when I try to say it each time. 
Uh, so there's three new colours. One is a bit of a riff on the original colour, so transparent black, so they've removed some of the harsh reds on that. Uh, introduced a red and a blue. Uh, we don't know when it's coming out in Australia. It's coming out in the US pretty soon. But yeah, I wanted to talk about this. So, sorry, Intigot, again, to just to butt in. By chance, what is the Split, split Prad Pro? <laughs> can, oh, yeah, I can you please explain that. it? I got so excited. So <laughs> it's an alternative to Joy-Cons for the Nintendo Switch. And essentially, they're just very wide and, you know, sort of full size, you know, for a full size man as I am. <laughs> right. So, so it's like so a much more comfortable experience. They're the Joy-Con equivalent of the man-sized frozen meals in the Australian supermarkets. Yes, yes. Or or bring it into more like a gaming sphere. It's like the OG Xbox controller. Oh, that versus thing. Oh, my God. The, the Duke. <laughs> the Duke. <laughs> the Duke. It's like the Duke of, of Nintendo Switch. Um, and then just also, like, uh, you know, I'm getting to a point where, like, I really wish that they did release uh, game... You know, like, when the Switch came out, everyone's like, oh, they're going to have, like, NES ones, Super Super Nintendo ones, GameCube, and they haven't done any of that. And also, they haven't released that many colours for the Joy-Con, which is kind of baffling to me, just because Nintendo loves to make crazy accessories. Like, all the way through its history. Remember, like, uh, Donkey Kong bongers? Like, that was so cool. Bongers. (laughs) But what's the game called? <laughs> no, the, it's called Donkey Kong Gar, but they're not. Oh, bongers. that's where I'm getting crazy. Yeah, yeah, that's where I'm getting confused. <laughs> uh, I gotta say, Donkey Konga was absolutely awesome. I love that game. And I was so good much. at that I, game, man. <laughs> I even did the like the mode where you play through every song one after the other in one succession without a break. Oh my god, that thing is Yeah, awesome. I love that game actually. I only played it at your house. I never owned it, but yeah, that was that was a really cool game. I'd like to get that game one day. Um, I've still, yeah, I've still wanted... got them, but unfortunately, the like bongos get like discolored on the top, so they look kind of gross. But anyway, oh nice! I'm sure there's like an aftermarket to get new skins on on the bongos, <laughs> which would be awesome. But yeah, like, and why I wanted to bring this up is because I'm kind of at a point where, you know, I don't think Nintendo are going to release the GameCube like Joy-Cons or like a very special pro Joy-Cons. So I'm kind of looking at this. I don't understand it. I don't understand. Like, it's such an easy moneymaker to make. Oh, yeah. Even if, even if they look the same, right? Just to make versions that are like the visual style of Super Nintendo with the buttons colored that yeah, way. I know. You know, they've done that for the 3DS and things before. Yes, so correct, they've yeah. only done it hardware-wise before. Just make, doesn't make sense why they haven't done it for the Switch yet. Yeah, I find it odd because, like, and that's what I'm saying, like, because they do do this. Like, the amount of revisions to the 3DS, the DS, and the Game Boy Advance is insane. Like, I, I've spent many hours looking through all the revisions, and it's like, this revision didn't come out in Australia. And then when I'm on, like, Gumtree, oh, okay, when I see this color, it's like, oh, okay, someone's imported this from Japan. Like, this isn't a local one, and... Like, it's just so many, whereas the Joy-Cons, there's a few, to be fair, but compared to how popular it is, it's kind of a bit mind-blowing that it's not more. So, yeah, for me, I'm kind of, like, going and... Uh, and then just, like, to bring in the awesome video. So there's um a content creator uh, who generated or created a... get Like, a functional GameCube Joy-Con controller. 
So you can switch it in, play it, like play it wirelessly. It has all the functionality. And I look at that thing and I'm like, damn, someone has got to do like a Kickstarter. Like you can't copy the exact shape of it, but you know, if you get pretty close, like that's pretty, that's what I want. Um, but I just don't see that happening. So I am looking at these switch pad pros and the only thing I didn't like about it was the color of them. So now that they've got more, you know, just the black is like a nicer color. I might actually look at it when it comes out in Australia and pick them up, unfortunately. Just because, you know, I the analog sticks on the Joy-Con. Well, it's just, I don't want to get them, but then the analog sticks are just horrible <laughs> on the Joy-Cons. Right? Oh, no. Um, I had to buy these cool controllers for my Switch. That's so unfortunate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's just like... I don't want to get them. I want to get like Joy. I want to get GameCube. I feel like I, as soon as I buy them, Nintendo are going to have like a direct and go, oh, and by the way, and then have like the GameCube thing slot on the sides and I'm going to cry and go, oh, why have I bought this? No, but why are you going to cry? You've already got them. <laughs> I'm going to try to refrain. I'm going to try to refrain. I'm, I'm pretty bad with this kind of stuff. Look, considering considering how obsessed you are with... Uh, the analog stuff that you all just purchased. Um, you know, mm. I don't think you want to hold back. Also the power of my, you know, what I say, like last week I said, we're not going to talk about analog again for a long time. And we're talking about analog right now. <laughs> so, <laughs> we would have known. Well, like I was, I, you know, I love analog stuff and I love anything retro, like, especially, you know, when it comes to high def stuff. So either, the best way to play it in one dimension. So which is like play it digitally or the best way to play it from a analog perspective, which is like RGB. Um, but yeah, like I wasn't anticipating that we'd bring up analog again, but in between these two podcasts, so last week when we finished, uh, strangely enough, analog posted on Twitter, Hey, we've reopened the analog NT mini noir pre-order. So the analog NT mini noir is the, the second revision of their uh, Nintendo slash Famicom clone system. So this is the more higher-end version of the Super NT. Super NT is like plastic. It only does digital, so HDMI. Whereas this is aluminium and has analog, digital. Uh, They rebuilt the NES core, and it's got a better cartridge slot, which was a big problem with the first version of it. It's a lot more pricey, so it's $499 US. Uh, and it seems like what's happened is people like the pre-order was earlier this year for this system. Um, I think because they've delayed it and, you know, the whole COVID situation, analog has been honoring cancellations and giving people money back. So I, I think they've just had so many orders like bulk up and they've just said, all right, we've got to reissue this because we're making this many. So, you know, we need to get these sold again. So they announced it on like the 11th. And then one day later, exactly like 24 hours later, the pre-orders opened (laughs) and the pre-orders sold in two minutes. (laughs) And just again, so many people were annoyed. (laughs) Like, what? You know, we couldn't, couldn't buy it. This is BS. Like, what the hell? Um, So yeah, people are getting a little bit (laughs) frustrated with analog at this stage. Can I, can I ask you a a huge request of you uh, and to God, you know? You know, maybe following on, you know, I'm asking another big request like, you know, you getting that rare RPG from Hong Kong for me. (laughs) (laughs) This one's not as bad. Next time they've got the Super NT and they announce, hey, we're going to, you know, like 
do some like I, I'm assuming I can't get Super NT right now. Is that the case? Like uh, it's not a, last time I checked, it was sold out. Yeah, yeah. But it, it's it's they, they had a second run of it not too long ago. Uh, I've seen. Don't they have like a fancy like super nice black one that's like a super rare one or something? Yeah, that's why. Yeah. Okay. Next time you see, they're actually like going to put that up. Can you let me know? Because out of all their products, that's the one that appeals to me the most because it's the Super Nintendo, you know. So just yeah. That, well, that's know. why I've got it. Just, like, just shoot, just shoot me a link if you think they're yeah. actually going to put them up again. That'd be helpful. Yeah, yeah definitely. Yeah. I, I look. I think you know. I'm only guessing here, but I feel that the the direction they're going is you know they will really re-release you know, the Super NT, and currently the Mega SG, so that's the Genesis slash Mega Drive clone. Uh, you can still buy that right now, but I, I think they'll keep bringing it back in stock in small runs and then, like, waiting until it's sold out. So, so I, I do need I do need something to find. I, I found a random copy of... Not random, I'm, obviously I knew where it came from, but um, a copy of Jungle Book on SNES in my shed the other day. And I'm like, man, this is just like that. being sitting behind, in, behind a box somewhere. This thing <laughs> is so dusty that, you know, I need to, you know, I don't know the best way to do to de-dust, you know, con- uh, cartridges these days, but I need to use like an industrial va- uh, friggin' blower to blow it out. But it's it's just like man, this this game has been mistreated. I need to give it some love at some point. Uh, <laughs> that game that game was so hard. Jungle Book Consonant. I don't know if you ever played it, but that game. Yeah, so I remember you had it, man. Difficult, man. Oh, no. I don't think I ever beat it because of how difficult it was. And back then, you know, when you had a game on the SNES, we're both kids. We didn't have a lot of money to go buy new games. So if you got no. a game, even if it wasn't that great, like Jungle Book's not that great, you played it. <laughs> and you tried to beat it, and you, you just—that's all you had to play. The games you had, you know. So yeah, it was a very different era. Like there weren't as many games even coming out in general. So you know, and I, I felt like most people on average had, you know, like five games maybe on average. Like some people I knew had more, some people had a little bit less maybe, but it wasn't like a huge amount of games. It's not like these days, even with kids, you know, they have so many more games on their systems. Just because there's more games out, and they're probably like much much cheaper compared to what they were when we were around. Um, but yeah, I'll let you know. Like I'm sure. Well, now I'm committed to making any update about anything analog. <laughs> but I just thought it was Thank funny, you. given the context of everything that happened. That um, yeah, they did open up the pre-orders and sold out again, and people got really annoyed. M- my view is, and what I've been waiting for is, I feel like they will release a um, like a a cheaper tiered version. So pretty much a plastic version of the mini NT or the NT mini, I should say. I, I feel like they will make a plastic version of it and sell it and be like one ninety nine US. And when they do that, or if they do that, I should say, I'll, I'll probably pick that one up. Yeah. Um, because got, yeah, I've, the, that's what I say. I've got go another on. request. Yeah. <laughs> so you know how you did that? Awesome analysis of the analog pocket versus the Cybertruck orders <laughs> yeah, last, yeah. last Very podcast. Yeah, yeah. Uh, next time they announce a new product, can you like do another one of those, but like find something that's like, even more random, like I don't know, like a popular kitchen made appliance or something? <laughs> I just just want to see that analysis again, but getting even weirder. That'd be great. Thank <laughs> you. I'll just I'll just keep adding these requests as we continue on the rest of the podcast. <laughs> no, we'll do. We'll do. 
<laughs> I'm sure there'd be other things that Analog does that is a bit of a head-scratcher. Uh, and just the last thing I wanted to point out is the thing that's making me laugh at the moment around this product and Analog in general is people are now having big arguments about how Analog says that they don't make emulators. Like, for instance, the Pocket, the Super NT, it's not an emulator. And, you know, people are having this huge argument online. I don't call them emulators. I don't think they're emulators. I think that, um, to me, the word emulator is, you know, you're trying to replicate, but you might not match it. I like to use the word clone because I think they're really trying to clone the inputs and the outputs, and that's what the FPGAs do. Um, But, I mean, it's not a one-for-one copy. So, I mean, I think there's a fair point in both sides. I I just think, when I think emulator, and this is completely from a very ignorant standpoint on everything to do with these kind of stuff, I think of emulation as just basically using software to achieve everything, you know? Yeah, no, no, um, and that's right. As opposed to any hardware components that are kind of, as you said, like cloning or replicating um, the original hardware. Yeah, and I mean, like, not going down a crazy rabbit hole, which I easily could, but, you know, from a software emulation point of view, you're running the code on your computer, which has a certain clock speed, which is not ever going to be in a multiple of these original systems. You know, for instance, with the SNES, it was like 3 megahertz or something like that. Whereas these systems, they actually replicate lots of stuff you know, including like the clock speeds and like all of this kind of stuff. So it's like, for me, I, I, you know, they are trying to make it so that you put a input in and it does some magic and then the output is trying to be reference. So it's trying to be exact from an input output point of view. So for me, it's like, you know, I feel like it's more of a clone of what it, what it is. And you'd never say that, um, like, you know, the first version of a PlayStation versus the last few revisions of a PlayStation, oh, they're, they're emulating the PlayStation because it works differently. But the key is it's like the inputs and the outputs are the same. So, you know, it is the same thing. So I don't know. That's where I fall on it. I think it's kind of funny. It doesn't matter. It's just people's views on it. And, you know, like they do a great job at making it as one-to-one as possible. Um, so moving on to more of this uh, crazy style, retro stuff. And, and, you know, like, I love this kind of stuff. And for me, I'm a bit of a perfectionist because, uh, you know, and this is where I think we're pretty different. Like, I hate playing things on something where it's not accurate. So, you know, one of the big things for me is, like, I don't have a good way to play old PlayStation games, but I also don't like playing it on the PS3 because it's a bit weird and the emulators on the on windows is just horrible um so there was a new solution for me for this recently with uh the announcement of ps1 digital so just to summarize it essentially what it is is they're taking the digital signal so like everything from a console perspective is digital and then gets converted at some point into an analog output like you know through normally composite cables component cables if you're lucky that kind of thing this mod to the PlayStation is it takes a digital signal like straight off the hardware and then pulls it through HDMI. So you're getting like the clearest picture you could possibly have on like a, a flat screen TV. And it does lots, lots of important stuff. For instance, you know, it does instant 
240p to 480i switching. And the reason why that's important is because lots of solutions, when they switch, it actually makes the flat screen TV pause for a second. So it's like a lot of PlayStation games do this switch because they're switching from stuff like gameplay to uh, full motion video. So if it's switching out and your TV is turning on and off, it's really frustrating and it would kind of piss you off and make you not like the mod. Um, so yeah, this is like super promising and there was a really awesome video from uh, Digital Foundry on the, the mod and they love it and I really rate their opinion on it. And for me personally, it's something I'm definitely looking to pick up. Um, because I think this, this is like a real perfect way for me to get into PlayStation, which I'm sort of, you know, I've played a a fair few PlayStation games, but I'm actually, I'd I'd love to go back and play Final Fantasy seven, eight and nine on the PlayStation itself, but on the original hardware rather than through emulators or through all these new versions that have been released on the switch. Yeah. Honestly, with everything with the PS1 Digital, it just reminds me of Bleem. I just, just think back to Bleem and Bleemcast. I, did you actually ever try Bleem? Uh, yeah, so I did try Bleem. Uh, but again, it kind of goes back to what I was saying, that I don't like it unless it's really accurate. So yes, I did play like the the ZSNESs and the SNES 9X back in the day, but they're they're fairly accurate to be honest, even for those days. Whereas Bleem, I did I think to be fair, I had like a hacked version, um, and I just didn't like it. I didn't think it was like accurate enough. It just didn't, oh, it no, kind I'm of not, bothers me. I'm not saying the Bleem was accurate in any way. I just love not only do I love the word Bleem, but I love the story of Bleem. Like, oh yeah. If you've ever, just like reading about the lawsuits, and I, I mean have, that yeah. changed. They changed laws because of that, I believe. Um, yeah, no, totally. That was a huge thing. I mean, like, really, PlayStation One was smashed by like piracy in lots of different ways. I, we, we should I'm, do a deep dive on Bleem one day because it is really, really interesting. Like, even having a commercial emulator is like a kind of crazy concept at the time. I've never de- delved into hacked consoles or whatnot with the exception of the playstation one because everyone did at the time it's horrible to think but everyone had a chipped playstation i remember going around to someone's house and they had a whole setup they were basically making you know like <laughs> they were making pirated ps1 discs <laughs> and selling them out of their home and you go in there and they had an entire wall full of cdrs to basically burn <laughs> diehard trilogy and all that onto that was and, cool, that game. Oh, Die Hard Trilogy was amazing. Um, but it's it was just like, it was what you did then. And then, like, I would buy, um, I would buy, like, your Final Fantasy 7 and 9 and that. So there were definitely games that I wanted to purchase. But it definitely made you go, oh, I'm only going to play this game, let's say Devil Dice or something, for like 20 minutes and then oh, I've had enough. You know, because you you spent what a dollar on it or two dollars or something, so mm. it yeah I can completely understand why they uh, went after Blame because they're already having so many issues across the board with that. But look, I, any any way to play old games that are very difficult to play these days, uh, you know, PlayStation One included, um, I'm all for. Um, mm. Obviously, <laughs> I you have uh, there's there's a gray area when you start talking about the actual ROMs themselves, which, you know, is, is trickier, but yeah. 
Yeah, and just thinking about back in the day, because it was crazy, and it's very hard for people to imagine it right now, just given the context of how you buy games and how easy it is and ubiquitous and cheap, really, compared to what it was. But I remember our mutual friend, Danny, he, like, I was at his house one time, and he actually, he it's like he had a dealer. He had someone he called, and they would come over, and he'd be like, oh, on the phone, he'd be like, oh, what kind of games do you have? Oh, you got this game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, I'll get one of those. What is that? $2? Okay, cool. <laughs> it was like, it was crazy. Whereas you look at that now, imagine having a dealer for video games. It's just wild. It was so ubiquitous. But I think for me now back I in the day- think about it, it was, it was like the equivalent of a meth lab setup when I went yeah. to that house where they man- they manufactured the pirated <laughs> PS1 games. Yeah, because you could just buy everything, like, off the shelf. Like, CD presses, printing press, all that kind of stuff. And people didn't really care how good it looked. So, yeah, like, you know, for me back then, I probably did pirate a lot of games, to be fair. I don't do that now, obviously. But the reason why I'm so interested in this stuff now is because it's so hard to get these games. Like, you do buy a used copy of Final Fantasy VII, and then it doesn't work. Because either... The CD doesn't work or, you know, the PlayStation's optical drive has failed. Um, and that that's where, you know, I think for me, you know, the cartridge system was just superior because it just, it, they still work. Like you get your uh, Jungle Book cartridge and you bring it up to my house and it will work in the Super NT. And you got it on the, on the screen. It's crazy, I right? I, I, think, I think it needs to be a bit clean first. <laughs> Yeah, you don't want to damage my my hardware. Um, whereas, you know, with PlayStation and disk drives, like, it is a worry. And, you know, that's why you're also starting to see alternatives. Like, there's one, and it's actually Australian, PSIO, where they use the parallel IO port of the PSX to actually load in games. And it's like, there's also a hardware mod that you need to solder on. And there's a new one coming out, which I'm more interested in, which is uh, the X Station. And... This is kind of the new trend, what they're doing. It's like an optical drive emulator. So, again, uses an FPGA. Uh, and then it basically, it's pretending to be an optical drive and then feeding out and feeding in the inputs and outputs to the the console. So, in this case, the PlayStation. And they've already done this for Saturn and Dreamcast. Uh, so, that's already working. And you can actually just buy one module and then install it. And it's all plug and play. It's not even a a mod or anything for the Saturn and the Dreamcast. Um, and yeah, like it does mean that, you know, it en- enables piracy essentially, but you know, a lot of these games, like they're not being sold new and it's actually hard to get them. And as I said, the actual drives themselves are failing. Um, so for me, you know, as a, like, I love this old stuff and getting it either to my monitor setup and then I can capture the footage or play it on, uh, you know, my Trinitron with component cables, you know, like this is kind of the way that I'll get, I'm going to go. Um, so I'm going to keep my eyes on this and see if I can get this in Australia. So then I can start and going back and playing some PlayStation games. The, the the approach I take, and I've taken this ever since I ever found an emulation was a thing, which was from you, um, is I, I don't enjoy emulation or piracy of, any current generation or let's say mm. the last generation, but anything kind of early than that, especially when it gets harder to play these games, definitely harder to track them down 
if you you know if you want to own them legit you know the whole thing of you need to own the actual physical copy for this rom to you know not be against the law and whatever u.s state that random thing was taken from um it's that that's so difficult to do you know there's so many super nintendo games and n64 games that you know unless you're collecting them which is a very different purpose you know a lot of people are collecting games not to play them um it's so hard to find them, you know, unless you yeah. want to go out and spend thousands of dollars on them. So, and not only that, but we've talked about before, some of these games weren't released in Australia. You know, a <laughs> yeah. lot of these games weren't released in Australia. Like, until certain, you know, like, I guess re-releases on uh, PlayStation consoles, we could never play Final Fantasy VI in Australia. <laughs> which the is The only so way wild, you could right? do that was either importing, which may... Uh, you know, there's there's legalities there with the importing. It, but the only other way was emulation. So I had no problem emulating games I couldn't play. But if there's games that have just come out, and let's say Game Boy Advance era, you know, I remember when Game Boy Advance era was in, you know, that was the current Nintendo handheld, and there were emulators right away almost for it, I remember. Mm. You know, they were probably not great, but I remember being like, oh, man, I, I can just emulate these things. But I'm like, well... This is a new game that only came out like three months ago, and it's it's a ROM already, you know. So that's where I'm not a fan of that stuff, just simply because I think we've talked a little before, but it kind of devalues the games in for you as well, because suddenly you'll die once or twice, and you would just say, "Oh, bugger this," and I'll just move on to the next game, you know. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree with that. You know, when people, you know, as a gift for my uh, wife's dad because he's really hard to buy for and he loves gadgets and stuff, but he's just, he's very, you know, very hard to buy for. And I was like, I know that he liked Nintendo and all that kind of stuff. I'm like, and he's very funny with stuff. Like he, he, he does like an abundance of things. So I actually made like this retro pie thing, which had like every NES, Game Boy, Super Nintendo game on it, Genesis, everything, right? I, I found ways to get every, every single thing working, got it all set up, got a Super Nintendo-style controller. And man, he loves this thing <laughs> so much. But I'm more like you, which is like, when there's too many things, it actually kind of just devalues everything. So I've kind of gone, nah, 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 nah. I'm just going to like... You know, like, for instance, with a PlayStation, I'm really keen to get this so then I can go and get, like, Final Fantasy VII, just play that, and then, you know, play through other games, play Metal Gear Solid again, because I played that at the time, you know, just kind of relive some of that stuff, and also get exposed to games that I hadn't played before. Um, Mm. So, no, like, I I love this kind of stuff, and I'm always keeping my eyes on some of the bigger developments. There's always little things that happen. Um, but I thought that this one was quite a chunky one and quite an exciting thing for PlayStation because it's never had a solution where it can output uh, from a pure 100% digital perspective through to HDMI. So I, I think that's really, really cool. And going to the Atari VCS, so I just wanted Talking to Talking raise... about cool. <laughs> well, cool. It's cool, dude. In the 80s. Look... I just want to raise this. This is not news in terms of, you know, the Atari VCS is coming out, but, you know, we're just talking about Australia and things not coming out in Australia, but it is coming out in Australia, this thing, which I was kind of surprised about. And we saw confirmation from one of our local uh, distributors, you know, the equivalent of a GameStop in America, EB Games uh, over in Australia, that 
the Atari VCS is coming to he- to Australia and the whole bundle, so that's got the classic controller, the modern controller and the base unit, it's going to be 850 Australian dollars. Thoughts, Swinney? I was just trying to bring the listing up, but it's made me do that. Please click on each image containing a boat. So just let me... Okay, that's a boat. 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 <laughs> oh, you're Wait, they're, like, all, uh, they're all blocks. boats. Oh, no, that's a canoe. They're, actually, I've, I've selected like three canoes. Instead of boats. <laughs> uh, okay, that's a boat. That's a boat. That's a boat. Uh, that's a canoe. That's a boat. Okay, I should be through now. Oh, no. it's Ah, oh, bugger that. All right. All I was going to say is I, I looked at the listing <laughs> earlier... It's no, it's refreshed it. Now it's asking for trains. So I'm like, bugger that. <laughs> I was looking at the listing earlier, but I wanted to bring it up again because mm. doesn't it still say on there like it doesn't give any dates or anything and it's like such a vague yeah. time frame? Yeah. It's supposed to come so, out this year. They reckon it will come out this year. But it does so, it's very weird. You're putting up eight hundred dollar listings for something that you haven't even got a date for. That's ridiculous to me. Like, that isn't, you know, let's say Xbox, PlayStation. Like, those are things that I can kind of understand because mm. pretty certain those things are going to come out or, you know, they're going to deliver on what you expect them to. This thing is a whole... This, the VCS is just a mess. and It's weird, right? Who Who's going to spend $800 on this? Like, seriously. Well, that, that, to, that, that's to, kind play, of... to play what's basically a, a PC in a way, you know, like... Oh, there's a whole mode. What what they call sandbox mode or whatever in this thing? Yeah, that's right. They literally call it sandbox mode, which is like they're not even trying to dress it up. Oh man! Like I love like my first video game console was an Atari, right? Um, seventy eight hundred or whatever. It's no fifty eight hundred, whatever. Right? It was a, it was one of the classic Atari consoles. Probably would have my been first... twenty six hundred. I doubt it would have been the other ones. Oh, okay, twenty. Whatever, right? I'm, I'm clearly knowledgeable. Just randomly bring it up, but you should have a podcast about gaming. So on top of it, <laughs> well, we don't we don't position ourselves as uh, you know retro gaming. I wouldn't say I don't. Anyway, you may half the topics have been retro, but um, <laughs> the thing for me, like, so I have love for that era of gaming. You know, a lot of those games are absolutely terrible, but they were the only thing you had. I just don't see the appeal of this one. I really don't, you know. Atari's obviously a very weird company. They're basically a licensing company these days. They've got their hotels, they've got their Atari Bitcoin, whatever their their thing is. And they had the what the radio, um, the, the Atari like speaker hats or something. Just I just don't Yeah, understand. that's right. I just do <laughs> not understand Atari anymore. They're just oh. Well it's not Atari, right? Like it's it's a company that's bought the rights to call themselves Atari and release yeah. things and yeah, I, I think my only comment about this that I thought was odd is, you know, I kind of get this in America. You probably, you know, it's like 350 million people there. You know, Atari was huge back in the day in America and you get to get a certain percentage of people buying this and I don't get it. It's silly to me. But Australia is a little bit different. Like we did have Atari. I'm the same as you, 2600. I remember there was a mouse game. It was like Pac-Man clone. Uh, but it was like mice and rats and stuff like that. And I just remember it was the first game I ever played. So, so interesting. I actually had 2600 Junior. That one looked so much cooler than the normal 2600. I don't know what that is. So I, I'm so just checking it out look now. Up, look up 2600 Junior and it had like the metal with the color oh, yeah. across it. That's, no, that's the I one like, that I had. I like the 2600. Oh, you like the Junior 
the junior looks so much cooler, man. And it had the no, like I, the buttons I, I like the were like things buttons looks... that you click down. It's really cool. Yeah, I, I kind of like the aesthetic. Like, you know, and by the way, with the VCS, I think it looks cool in the renders. Whether it will look like that, like in real life, I doubt it. To be honest, um, yeah, it's just I don't really get it in Australia, especially because it just wasn't as big in Australia as, as you know. Because it was different. We didn't have like a video game crash like they did in the in the states. Because everything came out later, and then the NES came out over here, and that was really big when we were growing up. It was Mousetrap. That was the game. The, the very first game I ever played um, that I remember. What? Yeah, so... What? Mousetrap video game? Was, I don't it based think it's off the... The... was it based off the board game? No. Well, let me just confirm this. <laughs> I mean, that's probably not, but I'm just like, Mousetrap. No, well, I don't cool think it's game. based on the... Yeah, yeah, this is definitely the game that I played. Yeah, yeah. So you play as a mouse and you're running around and then like cats are chasing you. It's 100% a Pac-Man clone. And I'm just looking at it and nah, it doesn't look like it has anything to do with the, the board game. Oh no, that's fair enough. That's fair enough. I should actually buy this. This is kind of like a cute thing to buy, isn't it? But yeah, like, so all, all, all I was coming from is it just doesn't have the same nostalgia value in Australia as I would imagine it would have in the US. And we're already such a small market, and this is just an odd item. Like, I'm actually, when I go to EB next time, I'm going to ask them and just keep asking them about how is this selling. (laughs) Because, man, you couldn't imagine it would be that much, right? Surely. Not to discredit, you know, there's obviously some people that work at the EB games that, you know, do know their stuff. But I can tell you, I'm pretty confident most of them have, have no idea what the Atari VCS is. That are yeah, working look, in the stores themselves. So, you know, I, I think I'm fairly nice to people. And what you're saying is 100% true because, dude, like, I, I go and talk to them about stuff that's massive. Like, hey, Animal Crossing, the, you know, console, you know how they've got a themed console special edition for the Switch? And they're like, oh, I don't even know what that is. What are you talking about? I'm like, what? This is like one of the biggest games of the year and you don't even know what I'm talking about? Like, I feel like I if you work at a game store, you should know that. I think sometimes, like, there's there's one uh, in, in Melbourne um, that's, you know, it's basically, I guess, you've the got, like, EB games. In the city. Yeah, yeah, and then you've got, like, the upper level, it's like Nintendo one. And I don't know if technically if the people working in the Nintendo section are EB Games employees and Nintendo employees, but generally, when I've spoken to people there in the past, um, they've actually known their stuff. Yeah, so they're, that, they're really good. That's that a bit one of in a the flagship setup. store. Yeah, yeah, like they don't have a flagship store in Sydney, which is kind of annoying because I'd like if they had that up here. But yeah, in Melbourne they have a really good one, but in Sydney there's nothing like that. Like the Melbourne one's the best one in the country that I've seen. Um, but yeah, we don't have one like that. So yeah, this Atari VCS, I don't get it. I'm definitely not buying it. Uh, I just don't know who this is for. It's very boggling to me, mind-boggling that this is really a thing. It's it's going to go as well as the Coleco Chameleon. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I think I'll leave that to other podcasters that we listen to for them to go on rants about because <laughs> it's not interesting <laughs> to me. All right, well, let's get into uh, our favorite segment, Bargain Bin, <laughs> starting with... We really, we really store. need like a like 
some kind of like audio leading to like be like the bargain bin or something. Yeah, and I want to have like money. Ching, 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 yeah, like Pink Floyd money. You know, we wouldn't, do, we couldn't, do, use, do, do. We couldn't use their clip because we'd probably get like banned on YouTube. But yeah, they'll scan it for sure. No, no yeah, we should, we should. Um, and do, let's start do, with the do, the Epic boom, Game Store boom, and just boom, just, boom. <laughs> just a quick update. So we did warn people and we reminded people constantly about. Uh, a total, a total war saga. Troy being free for twenty four hours, and obviously you listened because we had six seven point five million downloads on the Epic Game Store, which is it's interesting as well. It just kind of shows how big and ubiquitous the Epic Game Store has become as well. Um, and we so we looked the, at the stats, right? And <laughs> I think we calculated that potentially two people may have actually been distributed to us. <laughs> well, that's two free games. <laughs> so, and we're going to keep delivering. Uh, so the free games right now are Remnant from the Ashes, Alto Collection, 3 out of 10, Episode 2, Foundation 101, and they're free until Thursday the 20th of August. What I'm always interested in is what are the free games for next week? Uh, this week, God's Trigger, and then the big one is Enter the Gungeon. Which, like, I love that game. I already have it on multiple uh, platforms, but yeah, that's such an awesome game. Have you got that on PC, Enter the Gungeon? I've never played that game. Whoa! Okay, you definitely need to, to grab this. I know you probably already have it on Game Pass or wherever it's available. No, I'll, but... I'll grab it, and I certainly believe it's a good game, but it's uh, we've mentioned <laughs> last week... It takes a lot to get me excited about anything that has rogue in in its kind of description, um, mm. that's roguelike or roguelite. And I know this game is meant to be brilliant. Um, and I've heard good things about the what it ex- exit the gungeon that was on the Apple Arcade as well, even though it's a very different style of game. Um, but the thing for me, and I think a lot of people probably um, would understand this, is. I've got so many games that I'm very interested in playing. Yeah. So it takes a lot to get me to play a game that I'm not really interested in playing, even if it's free. But hey, maybe I'll give it a shot. Maybe I maybe it's part of broadening the Swinney horizons or something. Swinney explores the college edition. Swinney swings. <laughs> no, definitely not called Swinney swings. <laughs> I want a bumper that says that, but um. Yeah, like, and again, it's just showing me materializing things where I was talking about Enter the Gungeon last week, I think, and how good that game was. Yes, you've, you have the power. <laughs> can you, can you please, can you please start talking about more about an F-Zero sequel, please? No, no, no. I, I shall say that Nintendo in the next couple of weeks is going to announce Metro Prime 5. No, sorry, Metroid 5, not Metro Prime 5. Metro Prime 5. <laughs> Coming out yeah. in 2036. <laughs> Metro Prime 5. Um, so that, that's the Epic Game Store. Bethesda, so they've also got, as part of uh, uh, QuakeCon at home, they had, and so we've missed it already, uh, Quake for free, but Quake 2 is free right now. So at the time of publishing, you should be able to still get it. Uh, and then on the 17th of August, Quake 3 Arena will go free. So you got to get the Bethesda game launcher and then you can, as always, you know, install it or like add it to your library and it'll be free forever on that launcher. Um, I actually was looking at getting Quake. I already have Quake and Quake 2. I've bought them recently or like the last few years when they're on sale. But Quake 3 Arena, I was thinking about picking up, but given that it's free, I'll definitely grab that one. 
And then I think with Nintendo that, Switch, with that game, yeah, though, so if you were interested in playing Quake 3 Arena, I think you probably... I don't know where Quake Live is at these days. I believe they shut... Did they shut it down? Quake no, Live? so it's it's a bit of a shame, the whole situation. I'm a huge Quake fan. Um, so Quake's in a really bad space at the moment because I think the community is pretty split. So there's still a lot of people that play Quake Live. So you, I think what you were about to refer to is it's still free. It's not free. You have to pay for Quake Live now. But it, but it's uh, still it's still up. Like it's still yeah yeah, yeah. okay yeah okay. definitely yeah definitely. But you've got like Quake Champions and then you have got Quake Live and it's a bit like you know you kind of it, I I get it like the community is split because it's a little bit like Smash I guess you know probably most people would say Quake Live's the better game but Quake Champions is the new one. Um, and you know, it's not a huge community in the first place, so it's not one that you'd want to split over a couple of games. I am really hoping one day that, you know, that they'll release a new Quake game that really everyone loves and, you know, builds that community back up again. Cause I think it's an awesome, awesome game. Um, you know, I love those kind of really technical competitive games. So yeah, no, but uh, again, pick it up, but I get what you're saying. You know, if you're going to play this style of game, you'd probably play Quake Live or Quake Champions. Hmm. So Nintendo Switch. Yeah, so as we know, Switch always has sales on. Some good, some not so good. Um, but I actually just had a look at this uh, what's up and actually thought I'd make some recommendations. So um, basically looked through and um, I've mentioned Earthlock before. So it's actually 80% off on, uh, on Nintendo Switch at the moment. Poyo Poyo Champions, which I have on Xbox One and I just repurchased on the Switch after seeing this. That's 60% off as well. That's the kind of game um, that you know I think is perfect for the for the Switch. Also got Valkyria Chronicles one and four both discounted. <laughs> the one at sixty percent off and four at sixty two percent off. I'm like, what? The mo- that's the most random percentage amount. Everything else is like in exact even amount, and they chose sixty two percent off. And the last one is Shining Resonance Refrain, which is actually a pretty fun uh, action RPG. That's sixty percent off. I think that'd actually be a really good pickup for the Switch because it, um, yeah, I think it'd just be just nice. It's very kind of segmented action RPG, so good I think for people that are in transit and that. So, so yeah, some highlights from the current Switch stars. Nice. Um, and no updates that I've seen from a PlayStation perspective. There's a couple of deals, but nothing. That really sort of blows me away, um, but it's good to hear some thoughts around Switch because we really haven't seen any really big sales in Australia or in a US market sense. Yeah, and I mean, we're about to get into Xbox as well with this, but it does feel like Switch is Switch always has you know these weekly offers, but not only is it a pain to search through them, I'm sure there's probably better ways online to do it um, that I've got to look up and maybe you already know into God, but um, it's it just feels like not only do they recycle the same games in and out, but they there's games that are just in there, just obviously that are discounted. Oh, it's normally eighty dollars, and they're discounting at ninety nine percent, and it's a dollar, and they're rotting the system. It just seems like a real bad approach to to you know like a user experience. But hey, yeah. they probably make a lot of money. So what can I say? It's probably working out pretty well for them. Well, you know, and those developers, they kind of view it as they have to do that to get any visibility in the store. And, 
you know, it's kind of the stupidity of the way the Nintendo is running that storefront. That Like, I don't even look at it. I never look at the Nintendo eShop because it's so, to me, busted the way it works. So mm-hmm. what I look at, uh, to your question, I guess, is I look at uh, Deku, Deku, sorry, Deku Deals. So D-E-K-U Deals.com. Um, so basically like this is, this works for Australia, the U S like whatever territory you're in. Um, and then they have a really cool, uh, filter. That's the front page filter as well for memory. It basically, you can look at like deals that people think, are like worthwhile. So in, in the sense that, you know, you can add deals or like games to your wish list. And when they go on sale, you get an email and you can kind of like trigger it at certain price levels, but then they use that interest level to judge, oh, this game's really popular and it's on sale and it's like the lowest price ever. So they do their own ranking based on that. Something that like Nintendo could do. Um, but I find that to be the best way to look at it. So for instance, you know, you know how you, um, mentioned Valkyria Chronicles, that is the number one and two deal. So Valkyria Hmm. Chronicles four, and then the first game, other top two deals on Deku deals. So it's a, it's a, it's a cool way to look at it. Awesome. Yeah. Yeah. And cool. on, on the Xbox front, um, there's actually a pretty big sale that went up, uh, yes, uh, I guess two days ago as time for this publishing. Um, so a whole bunch of, uh, games as part of their ultimate sale. So I actually, I'm not going to point any out because it's just too many, but there's a whole bunch of games, um, I did look up, I did actually go to um, get Divinity Original Sin 2. It was 50% off. So I'm like, okay, awesome. Finally, I've been waiting for this. And I went to purchase it and I already owned it. And I'm like, God, I, I clearly... <laughs> what do you mean? Time ago. What? I already owned it and I forgot. <laughs> so I'm like, oh, damn it. So <laughs> I, was awesome. like, I, was, I was so excited about it. But um, yeah, I actually, honestly, on that, um, I use uh, True Achievements for this. So basically, you can add stuff similar to what you're saying with that Nintendo Switch stuff. Not as detailed, but you can add stuff to your wish list, and then you get notifications um, when that stuff uh, goes on sale. So, yeah, cool. No, nice. Yeah, and I think, like, for this segment, you know, especially where there's really one-off sales that we've never seen before or free games, probably the biggest things we're going to shout out or you know, as part of the subscriptions to Xbox Live or PlayStation Plus. Cool. Well, let's get into our final segment of today and the our special feature. So, oh, our replay. Been waiting for this one. Been waiting for this one. Oh, Donkey Kong Country. I think we flagged it in our first podcast. <laughs> I think we <laughs> that, did. Hey, this game's coming out. This is going to be part of the Nintendo Switch Online, so the Super Nintendo virtual console, essentially. Uh, it's coming in as part of one of the games that you can play there. It's one of the big games that I guess most people sort of thought was weird that wasn't available uh, initially when it came out. So we decided we'd play it. Uh, I, like, you know, we haven't checked in. This is the first time we've discussed this. Exactly. Uh, I'm assuming that you've beaten the game. Yeah, of course. Of course. I, <laughs> of course. I, I'm, I'm not going to start Donkey Kong Country for the purpose of talking about it and not complete it because it's... As much as it took us a month to actually start talking about it, um, it's not the longest game. It's a pretty short game if you if you don't struggle too much. So, <laughs> I think you were like implying pressure on me by saying, "Hey, it's not that long of a game." <laughs> like offline <laughs> when we were just chatting about it, you're like, "Hey, it's not that long of a game. Like we should uh, play it." <laughs> Eg, you should finish it. <laughs> so, do you want to ask me whether I've uh, beaten it or not? I know you've beaten it. 
Oh, yeah, have I told you? Know. No, no. You said you were getting close to the end, but I know you would have beaten it. No, it would have eaten you it. up inside if you didn't beat it. I reckon. Oh, 100%. You would have been like, God damn it. I didn't but beat it. But the question is, how did you play it? Like, so we, like, oh, okay. First off, I should say I played it on the Switch. So, you know, given that we said, hey, it's coming out on the Switch, I thought, well, I'll play it there. That's that's where it's coming out rather than play it on my Super NT. Uh, where, where did you play it and how did you play it? Um, I played it on the Switch as well. So I, okay. used, I used the Pro Controller. Okay. And then, like, when I say also how did you play it, e.g., you know, the Nintendo Switch has the inbuilt functionality so you can save states, load states... Rewind. This is very controversial because some people get really riled up. Like, hey, you can't say you've beaten this game. You've used save states or you've used a rewind feature. That's not beating the game. Hmm. By the way, I don't care about that kind of stuff, but I know people get real wound up about it. So, yeah, how did did you play it? Oh, I just played it normally. So the only reason I used save states was just to make it easy to come back to the game and make sure I didn't lose progress. Oh, okay. So if you die... The game gives you... The game gives you so many lives, um, and you can easily farm the lives as well if you struggle. So, mm. so I abused the hell out of the rewind feature. Oh, what? <laughs> I did not lose a life. <laughs> oh my god! You did that just to say that, didn't you? No, I didn't. No, I didn't, dude. The thing is that I realized. So does that mean did and- you beat? Did you beat K Rule on the first try because you use rewind? No, I rewind. Yeah, I rewind it. Oh, sheesh. <laughs> now, Actually, see, I'm going to be one of those people right now and say, for the purpose of this, that's <laughs> bullshit. That is bullshit. Look, the thing is, like, okay, I'll, I'll say a couple of things. First off, I used to be a little bit like that and not precious about it. I'd just be like, hey, you, you probably don't, don't say that you've beaten the game. And even when I said I've beaten the game, I was kind of being a bit jokey like you know i completed the game i rolled the credits whatever you want to kind of say about the game i got through the whole game one way or another um but i i think the thing is especially when you become a parent and you don't have as much time and i've got a full-time job and there's a lot going on it's a short game what are you talking about (laughs) yeah but dude i don't have much time like no i I know but the re that is not justification for we rewind that much like okay the rewind thing right Whatever, cool. But to do it to the point where you don't even use, lose a single life is ridiculous. That <laughs> oh, is overkill, dude. man. Dude. That's like me and Battletoads. Like, Battletoads <laughs> is a hard-ass game. I wouldn't have been able to get anywhere in that game. Donkey Kong Country is not a hard-ass game. It's tricky. <laughs> See, I, I reckon that is bullshit. <laughs> Look, do I think that I could get through the game? I've beaten the game before when I was a kid, right? Like... 100% I think I can beat the game. I know you could get through the game. It's a pretty easy game. <laughs> well, I don't know. Easy. Was it easy? I'd say it's like easy to medium. But um, That's only because you weren't learning because you are rewinding all the time. So you weren't getting better. <laughs> oh, look, and, and, you know, this is kind of cutting into talking about the game. I think the game, and this is a big problem in old school games. I think the game can be a bit cheap. Like, there's enemy placements. You're so... It's kind of weird playing it again. You're so zoomed in, essentially. You know, you can't see much mm. of the frame of what's coming at you. That... And that's why you need a rewind feature. Um, that, you know, you die sometimes just because you don't know the level. But once you know the level, it's like, oh, this is really easy. So, but yeah. I, probably I agree. It can be, 
I can I agree it can be cheap. Like it's cheap as hell and it will randomly throw an enemy at you that's flying in when it's kind of you're expecting to jump, right? Yeah. But the whole point of this is about learning, about learning the layouts. You know, it's like yeah, it's like Mega enough. Man, like any of this stuff. Um so yeah. I've no it's not a cheap game. Using- like I just want to make it clear. I don't think it's a cheap game. I think it can be cheap at times. I just want oh, to really make that clear. Hell it can be cheap. Like I've got yeah. I've got some like my thoughts on the good and man, there's there's some bad there. But um but yeah, I guess to uh, I'd like to talk about the good before we get to the bad. Yeah, yeah sure, sure. Start sure. talking about that. So you've already um, lambasted me for the way that I played the game. I think to that extent, like I think that's a bit ridiculous. But I understand. <laughs> I, look, I know what you're saying, but to to do it without losing a life is just, <laughs> just ridiculous. Anyway, so you can't say right. that you played it and didn't lose a life. <laughs> go well, on, go I, on. I lost. I don't know. I lost like probably like thirty something lives at the end of it. Oh, that's pretty good. I would have lost way more than that. Yeah, but yeah, go on. Um, so to me, Donkey Kong Country. So I, the way I think about it is. To me, this game was such a phenomenon when I was a kid. Mm. And I know it didn't, but to me as a kid, it felt like it came out of nowhere. And I don't know why. Like, I used to buy uh, Total Magazine in the UK. Um, You know, I used to love reading all the games magazines. Mm. And I don't know why, but this game, it came out very late into the, you know, the SNES lifetime. And it just kind of came out of nowhere. And I'm like, oh my God, I've never seen a game that looks like this. It was incredible. And also, Donkey Kong hadn't been the thing other than Donkey Kong 94 or whatever it's called on Game Boy. Donkey Kong hadn't been a thing for so many years. And this this game just just floored everyone. And I even remember, I, I don't know if this came out in anywhere other than the UK, but when I got the game, I got it actually, I think, on release, which is crazy back then. I never got games on release. And it even had a, a music CD called Go Ape. And did you have you ever heard of this music CD? No, I don't think that came out in Australia. Right. Well, it def like I definitely didn't think because all the artists are basically UK artists. But no joke, it had mm. Radiohead on it. It had what? Primal Scream. It had Oasis on it. It was like That's eight insane. bands on it. It's crazy. It was creep. Radiohead creep. And oh, man, okay, I, cool. I loved I love this CD because I actually like you know got into a lot of the bands from from listening to it. And it's just <laughs> it's just awesome. weird because it's the most un-Donkey un Kong thing ever, you know, this, like, to have Radiohead on CD. But to talk about, go back to the game, right? To me, replaying it has really cemented the fact that, to me, this is one of the best pure platformers on the SNES. Because, when I say pure, no, pure platformers in that you're just running and jumping for 90% of it. You know, every now and then you'll jump, you'll run on a... uh, You'll get on an animal friend or you'll enter a bonus area. Mm. or And obviously, when I say running jumping, that includes, okay, you're in Minecraft jumping, a Minecraft, Minecart jumping, or you're yeah. shooting at a barrel or whatever. But there's, there's very little bullshit outside of it, really. And it's it, that that's both good and bad. Like the DKC 2 and 3 started adding a whole lot more to it. But this game just felt like this is just a pure platformer. And I really like mm. that. And it's, it, I think it still looks great, even without, you know, the benefit of like a CRT blurriness to like blur the, like the jagginess of the, of the, yeah. the sprites and that. I think it still looks fantastic. Um, and the thing as well, 
there's there's some crappy levels in this game. There really are some crappy levels. But if you don't like them, they're short enough that they don't outstay their welcome. Like you can get through them pretty quickly. You're like, okay, this 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 annoying level, I've got that behind me, but then there's a whole bunch of cool levels coming up. So I yeah, just and, and they're just full of secrets. That's just like some real mischievous stuff in this game. And they they <laughs> they went they ran with that in the future ones, like just making things so hidden. It's so awesome. Yeah, and I just want to ground the context of this game as well for everyone who maybe isn't as familiar. So this came this game came out in '94, but the era that we were in at that time, as we lived it, given how how old we are, you know, everything was 2D at that time. So games like Street Fighter Two, and then all the sort of spin-offs from that, you know, Turbo and everything like that. Super Mario World, Zelda 3, all of these kind of games were like the apex of gaming and like how awesome does this look, this 2D game. And then in the background, Sony came along and you had stuff like the PlayStation and all of those graphics, which, you know, probably looking at it today, I feel like Donkey Kong Country looks better than PlayStation games, like from a 2020 lens. But at the time, everyone was like, wow, PlayStation looks amazing, right? Hmm. But, yeah, it's... you know, you, you had this this game where Nintendo was, like, seeing all this stuff happening and, you know, this company, Rare, in the UK, had done all this work around, you know, using computer graphics and then, you know, basically taking a screenshot of the computer graphics into a 2D model. And then they were able to, you know, create a game out of it that looked like insane. It looked like it was a 3D game sort of for back then. Obviously, you don't look at it as a 3D game now, but, you know, back then it really kind of did look like it. And it, it sort of was like a weird next-gen game on a current-gen console hmm. is how I felt at the time. And especially, you know, I wasn't going to be able to afford a PlayStation you know, I was like looking at it going, oh, this is unreal. This is like, you know, we've, we've, we've got a next gen game on, on an awesome uh, console, which was the Super Nintendo. Um, so it was, it was a huge game for Nintendo from my perspective. And I think they've even kind of commented, uh, post fact that this was a really important title for, you know, getting through that generation and then onto the 64. Also, it was, I believe the third best selling game on the console. And all three of the Donkey Kong Country games, I believe, in the top ten selling games. So yeah, that's, that's right. Yeah, yeah. It's it obviously it moved a lot of units, and you just had to look at this in the store because, as we're saying at the time, nothing looked like this game. Um, yeah, it was it, it was, was crazy, incredible. right? And and yeah. like going to your point around how it looks, like so I played it. You know, this game still holds up, man. Like, and you know, I probably do veer a little bit retro with things and. You know, I, I just think the 2D aesthetic just holds up way better than early 3D does. And we were just chatting about uh, PlayStation. I still think that these games look better than the early, you know, 64 and PlayStation games. And they've got their own kind of vibe to them for me. Um, but this game looks unreal. And, you know, I know that there's been uh, homebrew and community efforts, but, I, I, you know, a little dream of mine would be that they actually released like a trilogy of these games, you know, with, you know, they're taking the original models and sort of just, you know, put more uh, detail into them. 
and just re- release it as like a, a standalone cart because I just think that would be unreal. Like, just to have super high def version of this, but I wouldn't change that much about it at all, to be honest. Yeah, I think weirdly you might lose a bit of character from it though, yeah, um, maybe because because you've, I've seen that a lot with um, when they've created HD versions. Like we saw it with uh, Super Street Fighter Two Turbo when they mm, re- redid all the sprites and there were more problems to that game, I believe from, you know, like frame data and like hitboxes and stuff that it wasn't to do that, but it looked great, but it just didn't feel right. You know, something, it, it felt almost like manufactured, like a fake version. Um, so I wonder if, yeah, how that would work, but I guess from a presentation standpoint, this game is also, and continuing on to the other Donkey Kong Country games, also stand out in terms of music. This, this game has such incredible music that it's almost crazy. Like, I think no other Super Nintendo game sounds like this, and I don't know how they did it, other than obviously the sequels. Yeah, no, I totally agree with where you're coming from around the music. I think um, the graphics are sort of always the obvious thing for people when they think about Donkey Kong Country. But I think um, the the music of the trilogy, um, and there's certain tracks in there that I actually would literally put up there as just great pieces of music, probably from my perspective, are actually the height of the series and what the series actually has to offer. Like, you know, if you had a look at it, would you say, you know, if you had to rank the music versus the graphics or other parts of, of the game, what what would you rank higher? I almost like the music the most out of everything mm. in the game and the the standout to me is is and will always be and it's my second favorite in the series is aquatic ambience the, yes 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 <laughs> it's that song just with the way it kind of like has it's almost like delay effects in it but obviously yeah. you know it's like it's it's actually built into it it's so amazing that track that other than sticker sticker brush symphony from number two which is kind of like the classic Donkey Kong Country song. Um, those two songs together are just absolute bliss. And I think it's no, you know, it's it's just shown wherever, you know, if you look up Chill's Nest soundtrack, and you know, on YouTube and people put these compilations together and usually it's always got like Waterworld in it. It's always got um, SimCity in it, things like that. It's always got Aquatic Ambience every time. That's like the key song you have to have in like a chills uh, soundtrack um, for for SNES games. But I also like um, this song called Life in the Mines, which, you know, I think if you, you wouldn't probably know that one, you know, by name, um, but mm. that is really, really good as well. And the main theme, just the one that's playing on the on the title screen is just so cool um, and just, just sets the scene. I remember as a kid when it does the intro with, with cranky you know turning the the you know the record player and it's like the 8-bit version main theme then it like brings in the drums and everything it sounds so great and i think that's just yeah it, it sets sets us up for an awesome soundtrack yeah no i totally i totally agree and you know i, I look at donkey kong country and just the trilogy in general it's probably the only part of the trilogy that like to me is just perfect like sure like there's not all not every track is the greatest track but something like aquatic ambience you know i reckon you know and i love to be a bit controversial but 
you know, I think you could make a really reasonable argument to go that that's the best video game song ever. Like, it, it's such a good song. It's just, it's a killer. And also, how they got that to get produced on the Super Nintendo hardware and all the hoops that they had to go through to get it done with the harmonics and everything, it was crazy. Like, they basically had to rig their own programming language to make it happen. Uh, there's some really cool uh, YouTube videos on it. Um, yeah, the music is just perfect. Like, it was actually the thing when I was playing the game... I actually then had to go put headphones on so I could hear it more clearly. <laughs> and then also I was just like, man, this music is just, it's not like an aged thing. It's just so good, so perfect and just like unreal actually. Like, and you kind of knew it at the time. I remember listening to these songs and, you know, I know that we're talking about Donkey Kong Country, but Donkey Kong Country 2, it's, you know, like the music in that, even the title song in that, it just sets the tone so perfectly of that game. Mm. And how it's kind of got that darker, grimmer kind of, you know, feel to the whole game. Um, yeah, it's just it's just unreal. Like, they've, they've done such a good job on the soundtrack. It, it was mostly David Wise from memory, right? Yeah, I believe. Uh, there were other musicians, uh, or at least, I don't know if you... It's weird, like, obviously, people who work in video game music are musicians, but also, at that point, they're probably also programmers, you know? It's like, you would have had to have been probably jack-of-all-trades in that era mm. to, to make the most of it. Um, but, yeah, I believe there's also Evelyn Fisher and, and someone else that I haven't uh, got the name of in that I saw in the credits themselves of the game. But, yeah, it's it's just so good. And it's kind of crazy because when if you think about the challenge that they had ahead of them, okay, make you know make a new Donkey Kong game. Mm. What, what do you have to work off in terms of soundtrack? You've only got the really the original couple of, you know, three Donkey Kong games plus the Game & Watch plus, you know, whatever um, cameos that he appeared in and things like Donkey Kong 94. You didn't have a lot of music to work off and they essentially just created an entire sound for Donkey Kong that's persisted to this day. You know, yeah, every and- every future Donkey Kong game has kind of followed along these kind of lines and they, they, they created it. It's, yeah, it's for sure. Out. And... And really, when you think about it, like, in almost everyone apart from anyone maybe above 40 or even 45, like, they have set what Donkey Kong is. And, you know, the whole, you know, we haven't even got into the fact of the Donkey Kong in the arcade game, like, what is it, 1982 arcade game, is not the Donkey Kong that you're playing, the main protagonist in Hmm. the game proper. And, you know, that's also handled in a very fun way in a very you know tongue-in-cheek and also kind of a bit of a nod to the whole game i think um way which i really like yeah definitely and i remember when um when i super mario kart came out they had Mm. donkey kong in that and i'm like man you know donkey kong i forgot all about donkey kong you know and everything and then like he looked so different in that and now they've yeah they've just gone and created also this look for Donkey Kong that is now the default look of the, you know, the bit of kind of hair that's like the, I wouldn't say curled, but spiked at the top and obviously the tie, all that stuff came from this game. You know, the look, the look that everyone knows Donkey Kong now came from this game. Mm. Well, I mean, even the one in Super Mario Kart on the SNES was Donkey Kong Jr., which is even... Kind of like weirder uh, in a way because it was. I uh, take that you know, back then. <laughs> and, and no, no, but you know, like from what you're saying, I think the funny thing about it to me is, 
like I kind of didn't really have any relationship with Donkey Kong. Um, and, you know, kind of tying this in with an episode that we did a few weeks ago with uh, some of the leaks that came out, you know, the Giga leak and everything like mm. that, how Super Mario World was meant to almost be, you know, there's some thoughts around maybe it was going to be Super Donkey World or something along those lines and actually feature Donkey Kong. So, it's, you know, it's kind of like, to me, really interesting thing how I almost think because of the success of this game, it really just separated those two franchises. And now, if Donkey Kong appeared in, say, Super Mario Odyssey 2, I'd almost feel like that's odd. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah, definitely. It's you've do- Donkey Kong has its own series, but it's great that they're connected in some way. Well, very, very closely, right? Because, you know, Jumpman and Donkey Kong, they both appeared in the first game together, right? Like, I've got yeah. that, right? Yeah. In saying that, I mean, Donkey Kong was in Odyssey, so... Wait, Just in it? a different format. Yeah, remember in the celebration in New Dog City? Oh, yeah, when yeah, you're yeah. The true. Version? So it's, when I say that, it's it's more like homage, not Donkey Kong, the 3D character. But it was cool that that's actually, I would say, the most that they've actually kind of connected in a mainline Mario game. Um, because if you think about all main, mm. previous mainline Mario games, Donkey Kong's never even been mentioned or the, the connection really. So true, the fact actually. That they had a whole celebration with Pauline in New Donk City, and it's like this is the city that Donkey Kong was set in. That's really cool. So I, I know we're going on a mega tangent now, but um, like I do hope one time we do 2017 as a as a big wig uh, game of some other year because that game, I, you know, we had arguments about it at the time about whether it's better than uh, Breath of the Wild, and I know, you know, we haven't really gotten into your thoughts around that game yet, and we'll, we'll hold that off for <laughs> that a while. That is, like, the most talked-about, hinted-at thing in this whole podcast. <laughs> it's, just, it's, it's the, I, like, so I respect your opinion. We've known each other for a very long time, and I respect your opinion almost more than anyone else, but that, your opinion you have of that game <laughs> puts everything into question. <laughs> that's the, that's the teaser <laughs> that I have for people, but... But yeah, I just want to quickly say that that experience of Super Mario Odyssey, and you know, like spoiler alert for Super Mario Odyssey for those who haven't played it. So that one with Donkey Kong, and then the part at the end of the game where they go back into like Mario sixty four. Hmm. Like honestly, like and this sounds embarrassing, but I almost like got emotional, man. <laughs> I was like, they executed it so perfectly, and it wasn't like cheap, and the nostalgia wasn't like, you know, unwarranted. That yeah. I was just like so into it, man. I was like, wow, this is so beautiful. Like, it's just beautiful the way that they did it. Um, but yeah, going back to this game, like, you know, we, we haven't gone through all the components yet, but I, the one thing I have to say is as I was playing this game, to me, and, you know, we have, I think we do actually have different views of this game and probably partly shaped by how we played it because you got this game when it came out. Mm. I didn't get this game, I did play it. But I got um, Donkey Kong Country 2, Diddy's Conquest. And for me, like almost, I think I pretty much played this game second after Diddy's Conquest. Mm. It it just does feel like the, you know, like almost final draft version before you've perfected it. Does that make sense? Oh, 100%. And Mm. it's one thing, that's actually one of the reasons why I'm going to... I'm going to actually replay number two and three again and then go on to Returns and Tropical Freeze 
And I was hoping we could make a, a feature out of it. Um, so, you know, knowing that these games are, you know, a bit shorter than some of the games for some other year that we're looking at, um, that it might be possible that, you know, we, you know, you know, in a couple of months or in a couple, you know, I wouldn't say a couple of weeks, but let's say, you know, in a couple of months we hit number two and then number three and that, that would be really cool because I'd like to see that progression. I'd like to re-experience that progression. But I do think going from DKC2 to this one, definitely. And that, I guess, leads into my thoughts about what's not good, so good about the game. Mm. So for me, the bad is that the game's kind of bare bones. And the thing with that, it's kind of it's to be expected in this era, right? A lot of games, especially non-Nintendo games, were you hit start, it's a platformer, you play through 10 levels, and that's it. You don't get any mm. extras, right? So I'm not saying it is too to be expected. But the problem is you it's hard to judge this game in isolation when you've experienced the number two and number three. And, you know, up front, I've said it before, like I know number two is is your favorite and is the favorite of probably the majority of people. Number three is actually my favorite. And <laughs> when you and I love number two, don't get me wrong. Um, yeah. But oh, I those know two you games yeah, yeah. those two games have so much more to them that it does unfortunately kind of it, it casts a bit of a negative light on Donkey Kong Country One. And that's why I talked about that to me, it's even of the three, it's the best pure platformer still because there's just less. It's more focused purely on on that. There's there's not you don't have to really worry about anything else um, except you know the bonus barrels if you want to get the hundred percent. But it is kind of bad. I think once you've done, once you've got those bonus barrels, there really isn't that much to do. Um, I think even the future games added. Um, I think. I'm not sure. Wasn't there like a time trial mode you can unlock after you beat number two properly or something like that? I do like recall that. that. Yeah, yeah, I do recall or, that, yeah. Or there was something anyway. It just felt like there was more to experience and obviously a lot of that was also the secrets. Um, so I don't know if that's kind of lines up with you about, hey, it's almost like a fully fleshed prototype of the series. Yeah, I mean, like partly. And, you know, I'm much more forgiving, I think, than you... Just because the games of that era, you know, they just weren't built like that. And a lot of it was just limitations, um, small team sizes, all that kind of stuff. So, you know, th- like these days, they probably have 10 people, 12 people working on menu systems and UI. And, you know, how do you go in between the UI in a game? Whereas back then they had 12 people working on mm. Donkey Kong Country, <laughs> right? Like it's just a different totally era. Um, so I'm more forgiving of that part. It's more... The game to me has a lot of rough edges and, you know, like things where, you know, the game really does feel cheap at times, you know, certain enemy placements. I know it's about learning the levels, but at the same time, I'd never felt like that with Donkey Kong Country 2. Like, I feel like that game, they're challenges for you rather than just feeling a little bit rushed or like not rushed, but it's just inexperienced about how to make something to the level that they do with Donkey Kong Country 2, where I really look at Donkey Kong Country 2 and consider that the same level as a Super Mario world. Like, I think it's that level of quality, whereas this game feels a little bit offbeat at times. There's certainly, like, levels, and, you know, we haven't gone into the specific levels, but things like the minecart levels, although, you know, yes, they do have a few quirks and weird hitboxes and stuff like that, I think that they're awesome. 
And I think like even today, I find them really fun. Um, you know, and there's lots of levels in this in this game where it's like, oh wow, this is awesome. But then there's also parts of the game that I'm a bit like, oh, I'm just really looking forward to getting through it. And I didn't really kind of even enjoy the way it was structured or the way it was. And again, you know, I'd have to play Donkey Kong Country to it again. And, you know, to your point around like, should we go through the games? I think that's a great idea because it did actually, after playing this game, go, oh man, I'm going to fire up <laughs> Diddy's Conquest after mm. this to, to kind of almost compare as well and just see how it evolves. Um, but I'm, I'm pretty certain that there's a lot less of just kind of like levels where it's just kind of a bit annoyed or just one kind of cheap trick after the other. And it wasn't all the way through the game. It was just kind of like, I wish that they edited, edited the game or like took certain bits out, but then the game's already pretty short and it'd be even shorter. Do do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, there's, and that's why I kind of made the mention that there are some horrible levels, um, Mm. but thankfully they're short enough to get through. Um, But any time that they threw, I think it was one of the ice levels. I can't remember the name. Yes. Well, snow snow level, I should say, not ice level. Sorry, this one, the snow levels where they had the orangutans throwing the barrels. Yes, dude, that's and, so funny. That's exactly the level I was yeah, thinking about. And you had the section where it's going up a hill, but and then there was also like gaps to fall down. And I'm like, this is a bit of a ridiculous setup. Now it's po- it's obviously possible. Like you, I got past it. Yeah, everyone can get past it. But it's so, it's like. It's just designed to kill you the first time you go there. Um, and it's not fun, you know, that kind of section. Mm. And I think that they 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 really learnt a lot from, from this game, you know. When you think about what Rare or, you know, Ultimate Play the Game or whatever they were called before Rare, they they had never put together a game like this before. So they they would have learnt a lot from the process. And... You do see that, I think, uh, those improvements in number two. Number two and number three still had a lot of sections where if you didn't know that what was going to happen, you were going to die. But it was, I think, handled in a very different way. Like Number two, to me, is a way harder game than this game. But it's it's harder in a different sense. But it kind of feels fairer, if that makes sense, and less frustrating, for me at least. Well, it's more about the execution other than... Like, you're still learning, obviously, but it's more about, well, I screwed up because I didn't do that properly, as yes, opposed to, yes. I, I died because the game threw something at me that no one would have ever, ever expected. Yeah, and that's that's where I feel like the game's a little bit cheaper. And Like, the, the other part of it is, I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but my memory isn't that, like, Donkey Kong Country 3 and to have as many kind of weird input bugs or like, you know, kind of um, hitbox issues. Okay, I'm glad you said hitbox because that's the next thing on my list. The hitboxes yeah. in this game can be so terrible at times. Yeah. But this is this is the thing that I think my eyes opened up to most playing it in current day versus back then. Like, of course, I would have remembered, oh, these clap traps. The clap traps are the worst, by the way, because you will jump on them and sometimes they'll just hit you and you just will have no idea. Or you will jump on a clap trap. Oh, no. It will hurt you and its sprite is turned around the opposite way of where it was running. And you're like, what the hell happened there? Now, obviously, there's some probably some way where it makes sense in the programming code, but to the player, it it doesn't make sense a lot of the times. And... 
I think they the the hitboxes. I feel that they really improved upon that in the future games. From from you know that that's that's what I'm hoping. I'm hoping we don't get to those games and we're like, oh man, the hitboxes are still really dodgy. <laughs> look, um, look, look, the way I remember it is Donkey Kong Country, not not Tropical Freeze or uh, Returns. I think they're pretty good. Um, and you know, I can't kind of wait to get to those games because. You know, having played those games recently, I'm almost like, oh, are they better games? But, you know, we'll save that discussion. But my recollection of it, and I'm willing to go out on a limb on this, is that the whole trilogy has issues. But I remember even back in the day, back then, number one certainly has more issues. And number two and three of their era, it's probably almost on par with a lot of you know, games back then, they just weren't as finely tuned as they are now. Whereas number one, there was, t- yeah, same as you, like there's times where I'm hitting enemies. I'm like, what, like, why did I die? Like what? <laughs> and it's like, I think I'm hitting them a little bit too far forward, even mm. though the animation looks like it should be fine. And it just gives you that sense of being really inconsistent and, and just not fair, which I hate in games when things don't feel fair, but yeah, like, it, it's a real funny one. Um, and it's probably, to me, actually the thing that annoyed me most about the game. More than anything. More about the, more than the length or, you know, the clunky systems or... You know, and actually, hey, we haven't even talked about this. The bosses, the boss fights. That's literally the, the next da- thing on my the list. The Dark Soul-level boss fights. <laughs> that That is... It's like you're reading my my list, the exact order of what it's, of what's on there. So I basically <laughs> have written down... Bosses are terrible, other than K. Rule, um, and not only are they terrible, but they recycle two of them, and they're all too easy until K. Rule. It's like they're not—they're just shocking, like bizarre. Like they're either just sine waves coming at you, or things coming right down, and you know, I—I I don't think I died on any of the bosses up to K. Rule. No, they're, they're all ridiculously easy. I'd say the, the second, whatever, I don't know, bird that shoots the, the things, that that is a little trickier than the others. But mm. it's the thing with these is that also with that bird, the RNG, I got stuck in a cycle where it was appearing at the top of the screen on both sides. It appeared like six times in a row, both sides. And I'm like, come oh, yeah. on. So the RNG on this is horrible. Now, obviously, it's not not everyone's going to have that experience, but I remember watching um, uh, speedruns at AGDQ of this game, and everyone's like, oh, no, let's hope we get good RNG for this boss fight. Um, oh, so that is RNG, because yeah. I've always got a GOG complex, and I always think I can control these things. So I was, like, trying to jump up and do a few things to try to control it. So I didn't realize it's more just an RNG thing. No, I believe, yeah. I remember when I was watching one of those runs, that they talked about, um, yeah, just... Like the the boss, some of the bosses in that game are just run killers because you can get a bad cycle. Um, but oh, wow. it's but the thing is, right with the K rule fight, I love the K rule fight. I think it's great. Um, it's it's a little annoying because I I actually died quite a bit on the last um, cycle Phase. that he does, and mm. so I had to go through the part where the cannibals drop down so many times, and that's so easy. That I was just like, oh god, just get the cannibals over with, come on. But other than that, um, I, I love that fight, and that fight set the scene for the future games, which have great boss fights. 
Yeah. So, and again, that's that's where I'm coming from. That I just, <laughs> you know, so I want to address the K. Roll fight before you know shitting on the game again, which is very unfair. Um, you know, I didn't think the K. Roll fight was that good. I feel like it's only good from a context that the other boss fights were just so bad that actually having a boss that does something different, it's like, oh wow, this is amazing. <laughs> like you're actually doing stuff. I, I, again, like. Back then, the games used to have really tough boss fights, but, like, the K. Rule one, there's just times where you have to be positioned in a certain way or else you almost just can't react to what K. Rule's about to do. Do you know what I mean? Oh, yeah. The K. Rule fight is something you have to... You basically... You're going to die on him until you know that. Well, you're not going to die on him because you're just going to press rewind, but... <laughs> Correct. Um, yeah, the... Specifically, the last um, he basically goes through like three different rounds, and they've got a the cool mechanic where you know you beat him and then he goes to the credits and he comes back. That's cool. I'm so glad that you didn't have to go to the credits each time you replayed. Oh, by the way, I thought the game was over, and I thought, oh, this is kind of weird credits. I don't remember this, and maybe they're going to roll the real credits after this and put the oh, you actually down. Oh, what? (laughs) Oh my god, that just goes to show you never, you never had. Played this game first as a kid. <laughs> Didn't they do the same thing in number two? I can't remember, man. I've got a bad memory for this kind of stuff. Okay. Anyway. I've got I, a bad memory for this kind of stuff. I really like the, the K. Roll boss fight. Um, when you think about it, they're like boss fights in platformers um, weren't that great back in the day. So I think this actually yeah, was true. pretty good. But the thing is, the future games, especially, I love the boss fights in number three so much. Um, the... The boss fights in the the other games uh, just just stumble over this though. So, mm. but one thing outside of bosses um, that I didn't mention was uh, I mentioned clap traps. The the fact that they throw jumping clap traps at you, I just remember writing down a note like clumping, <laughs> jumping clap traps can f off. Like, come on. Like, so, <laughs> also just there's certain sections in the game where there's enemies that only Donkey Kong can kill, for instance. Um, yeah, by jumping oh, that, that annoyed me, man. And they position some levels where it's very difficult if you don't have Donkey Kong to actually get anywhere. Like, you have to be so good at the game to be able to actually get past as, Donkey, as Diddy Kong. And I'm not a fan of that at all. I think that it's fine to have, like, bonuses, like um, extra, you know, bonus barrels or, or bananas and stuff to get oh, I can only get those Donkey Kong because that enemy's blocking it. That's fine, but I think you shouldn't have to have a character be able to progress through a level. And I don't think that's the case at all in in the sequels. Um, I think, you know... No, I think that generally it's always just like, well, if you don't have Dixie, you can't get this bonus. It doesn't stop you from actually easily progressing if you don't have one of the Kongs. Well, um, I, that's true, but I still think that that's true in this game. Like, you can get through it. It's just extremely difficult, but... Oh, uh, I, I when think I say that... extremely difficult, there's, like, ridiculously... There's one section where there's... Uh, I don't know if they're crushes or the ones with, the like, the hard hats, um, where they're, yeah, actually yeah, blocking the, they're actually blocking the platform, if, and if you, you know, you only can kill them with Donkey Kong, so... That's, yeah. like, the wep- the one with fuel or something like that, right? Yeah, that, that yeah, was... Yeah. That level, which is um, platform peril, that's the worst level in the game. Oh, really? Um, so I didn't think it was that bad. It was just because I didn't mind the mechanic. I thought it was at least a bit different. I'm fine but with yeah, the fuel man. mechanic. Mm. I, I did not like the 
um, having to pick up the barrels to kill the enemies each time. Now, the actual main reason I had the issue I had was there was just some of the design decision design decisions in that level um, led me to having to swap between Donkey Kong and Diddy Kong all the time, which I kind of felt annoying because. Like, if I jumped on one of those enemies with a hard hat, as Diddy Kong then bounced me off the platform and I died, and I did that so yeah. many times. And I'm just like, oh, I bloody hate this level. I like the idea of having to refuel that platform. Like, that's one thing we didn't mention about the good. Like, they came up with so many cool gimmicks, and that kind of set the mold for the future sequels of, hey, there's going to be gimmicks that are specific to one level and one level only. and it, Or we might, for instance, you know, instead of jump instead of jumping with the minecart, you're going to jump out of the minecarts, or they, they kind of mix up those gimmicks. So it's it's really, really cool what they did with that. But that platform peril level, yeah, I'm, some of the enemy placements in that were horrible. <laughs> yeah, and I think, again, it's kind of one of the weakest parts of this game. We're just, you know, having a bit of cheapness about it. But, um, yeah, I agree with you. It's very similar to Mario, where, you know, they'll introduce a gimmick for a level, and then they just never bring it back. And, you know, a lot of other games, that gimmick will be the whole game. <laughs> Whereas, yeah. you know, they just do one thing and it's like, okay, we do it once or, you know, and I feel like it's probably a little bit more repeated in Donkey Kong Country. Like, they'll have minecart levels and then riff on that idea. Um, all those kind of stage levels and they'll kind of go and riff on that idea again. Uh, um, but I'm, I'm talking about the fact that they've got, like, um, a barrel that turns lights on. You know, you never see yeah. that. In, in the other levels, it's just in that one level, you know, so... Yeah, and that that level seemed like... I don't know, there's something about it It seemed really odd. It reminded me of um, Oddworld, for some reason, stylistically. Oh, okay. you, I, you, did you, did you kind of... Do you know where I'm coming from with that, or...? No idea where you're coming from on that. I... What I will say no, about those levels... enemies just looked really odd, and, like, I don't know, it just seemed very, like... It's strange to me. Well, I, I played this game before I played Oddworld, so that mm. if anything, I'd feel probably the opposite way. But um, I, but what I really like is actually how they graphically handled um, turning the lights on and off. And there's also the level where there's, I think it's in a cave where there's minimal light as well. It's just, it's really really cool. And even they have the, the I forget the name, the bees like zingers or stingers or something. They, you can see the eyes of them in the light. You can't see the rest of them. It's like really cool things like that. But mm. I guess to go back to probably my last, um, you know, thought about what I don't like as much about the game is I think the early levels, probably the first two worlds, some of those levels are a bit boring. I don't think that's just me, but I don't think it was like they're badly designed or anything because a lot of those levels are the ones that people fondly remember in the jungle, but some of them are just so simple and they have like barrels that will boost you halfway through the level anyway. Um, so I think that they pick up the challenge, which is good. So I much, I much prefer the second half of the game than like, let's say the first half. Yeah. For me, if I was to break the game up into three acts, I feel that probably the second act would be the best because that's yeah. kind of when you, you're getting up to the minecart levels because they don't come right at the start. Uh, the difficulty increases because I totally agree. The start of the game is really kind of like boring almost. Like I wasn't using much of my rewind function at all at the start <laughs> of the game. I was just kind of getting through it. And I'm like, oh my God, like, was this game that easy? I don't remember it being this easy. Yeah, um, I, 
I don't think I lost a life in the first two worlds. Mm. Um, and that made me go, hmm, what's going on here? And then they picked it up. <laughs> they picked it up. Like so, when I played that first boss, I was like, really? <laughs> like, oh, I kind of remembered how bad it was, but Jesus, <laughs> it's bad. One thing I'll say the bosses is that the sprites were nice. You know, they were nice big sprites, but That's they true. were horrible bosses. Mm. And, and like, you know, just kind of, you know, from an overall perspective from me about this game, and I was trying to find the right movie analogy for some reason, and I think it's because in video games, you know, although there are a lot of trilogy video games, video games kind of bust through that most of the time and get up to like four, five, six, seven, eight, you know, countless games in the, in the sort of series. Whereas movies, it just feels a lot more common that you have trilogies. Um, and, you know, I always consider these games a trilogy and then the stuff mm. that, um, that came later, you know, like Donkey Kong Country Returns, it's kind of like a continuation, but it's not, a, it's not a direct continuation on from country in my mind. And there was two things that came to mind. And I think it's a bit of a blend of these two things. So, like, bear with me a little bit. I feel like Donkey Kong Country to Donkey Kong Country 2 is a mix between a bit like Evil Dead to Evil Dead 2 (laughs) and Back to the Future and Back to the Future 2, where, you know, the third one in that series is is a little bit different. It's still, you know, in the series, in the vein of the series, but it's different. Whereas the sequels, to me, are just better movies than the first and in some ways kind of a rehash of the same thing but just executing everything better and that's that's kind of ultimately what i think about this game that it's it's kind of a weird one it's a quick game so it's like definitely a game you can get through but i just think if you play donkey kong country 2 you're gonna get everything from that you need to get from this game from donkey kong country 2 and it's just a better game like i don't think you're missing anything is kind of ultimately what i'm where i'm coming from and I'd almost think of the same about, like, you know, Evil Dead and Back to the Future. It's like, sure, you definitely can go watch those, but the sequels are just, to me, better. And, like, you know, you don't need to watch it if you don't need to. See, it's it's funny to me because I prefer Evil Dead to, to Evil Dead 2. But... <laughs> of course you do. Of course you do. Uh, Evil Dead 2 is, like, the thing is, they're very different. So it's, you know, it's not like, they're they're very comparable in a lot of ways because they're just so different in tone. Um, oh yeah, sure. But I mean, like, Evil Dead Two is a lot more slapstick than Evil yeah, Dead One. Yeah, definitely, definitely. But hundred percent. We going back to I guess like comparing it to Donkey Kong. Um, I kind of agree. I do think there are a few standout levels um, and of some of the music that you would miss out on by not playing number one. Um, but I think if you're going to play any any game in the series, then number two is a good choice. Um, and obviously, I, I, number three to me is is has the best levels by far, in my opinion. But we'll get to that if we if we look at those games. But number two is almost the quintessential Donkey Kong Country game. Um, it's I just almost wish you know, and obviously it's it's not the case, and it's the same number three. I almost wish there was a way to play as Donkey Kong. In in uh, number two after you beat it, um, but maybe we'll we'll chat about that uh, mm. the uh, you know when we look at number two. And I, I totally agree. Like that's the that's ultimately, and the levels aren't designed around <coughs> that. But yeah, that that's that's one weird thing of the series. And I was actually really scratching my head trying to think of a movie that had the main characters who changed in a trilogy. 
<laughs> like to actually try to find the right analogy for it. Because it is odd. Like, you can't. I can't think of too many trilogies where there's not one single character, a protagonist, that is consistent all, all the way through. You know, like you've got Donkey and Diddy as a protagonist, then you've got Diddy and Dixie, and then you've got Dixie and Kitty. Is that right? Yeah. 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 Like, that's weird, right? Like, that's weird. Yeah. The good thing about Kitty is that he kind of feels like it's, Donkey Kong. And yeah, also, um, the whole, the fact, like, the bouncing cross water mechanic is so cool. But that's something that, anyway, we'll, we'll, let, let's save that discussion when we, when we get there. But, um, yeah. it is, in, it is interesting, but it's kind of a good, I guess, a good way to mix it up, um, and provide a new, a newer experience that's not just, you know, rehashing the same, uh, from the previous game. So. Mm. And I think given that you cannot play, like, so, you know, Donkey Kong Country is just in your Nintendo Switch Online subscription, definitely play it. Like, if you haven't played this game, you should have a crack at it. It's a a great game. Like, even 2020 standards for me, it still holds up. Oh, yeah, they're just, mind some of the horrible hitboxes and questionable level decisions. (laughs) Yeah, no, true. Ooh. Was there anything else you wanted to mention about Donkey Kong Country? One last thing. Um, mm-hmm. So when you beat the game, Cranky talks to you and he says, <laughs> "Yes, check your banana hoard, you'll be in for a surprise. And I'm thinking, I've spent this whole game defeating enemies in giant banana hordes, reclaiming my bananas. In what way am I going to be surprised that I've got all the bananas back? I know I've got all bananas back. Why is it a surprise? It just didn't make sense to me. And I'm like, why? It's so stupid what he says. Anyway. Oh, so, you know, I thought you were going to mention something else that was very, I guess, infamous in this game with Cranky. Okay. What is that? Do you know about the Cranky Run? Cranky Run. No, you can uh, pl- indulge me. Well, not indulge okay, me, so- sorry. Enlighten me. <laughs> So there, there was, there's a little thing, and it really actually made me go, oh, that's funny, um, that uh, at the end of the game, Cranky is, like, rocking back and forth, and he said, I did this in, I did this using one life in 60 minutes. Oh, yeah, okay, I get it. Like, did you see that line when you finished the game? Yeah, so is that why you used the replay, the, the rewind, to do it in one? No, no, I don't even think I finished in 60 minutes with oh, the rewind. <laughs> that would have been good. So, yeah, like, you know, there was a very infamous thing because, you know, back then, you know, remember when these games came out and again, our friend Danny said that you could play as K. Rule and oh, I fully geez. believe this. He was, and he was, a, he, he was a, he was a troll. No, not troll. And I'm trying to think of the right word. He was like, ah, oh, not jokester, but he was like the, the ultimate, um, Trying to come up with schemes, you know, like a schemer. <laughs> he was a schemer. Um, so this stuff back in the day when you read this, you saw it in the game. You know, it goes, you know, Cranky's, I did this in one life in 60 minutes. So, so many people spend so long trying to, to do this. And it turns out, like, and this came through um, the Completionist Challenge. And he got in contact with uh, Rare or, like, ex-members and they actually did want to introduce like a special mode where you play as Cranky Kong if you 
beat the game in under 60 minutes with one life, but never got around to doing it. <laughs> but they forgot to kind of remove that line or it was just kind of like left in there. <laughs> well, that line makes sense because it's just Cranky's just always talking about how much better he was and how much better the old games were. Because we didn't say before that Cranky is the original Donkey Kong. So, yes, but, we uh, haven't mentioned that. Yes. Yeah. And, Did, uh, can you explain the lineage of <laughs> Donkey Kong? Uh, I'm not, I'm not going to get into that. All I know is that I believe you can create. Can you play Cranky Kong in Tropical Freeze? I believe. Yeah. 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 So that that's cool that they finally actually um because the future like when you look at Donkey Kong 64 which was the the next Donkey Kong game after Donkey Kong 3 um you know you definitely couldn't play as like Funky Kong or Cranky Kong so it's cool they kind of brought those classic characters back um for the you know the retro studios games so Yeah cuz he had uh, he has a mechanic like Scrooge McDuck in DuckTales <clears throat> with oh, a the... stick Awesome, but no, nah, fantastic game. Uh, yeah, give it, give it a go. Um, you know, if you don't want to play the whole thing, just play through the first couple of worlds. I think um, it gives you a good taste of, of the game, and you'll get through some of the the cool soundtrack as well. So, yeah, definitely, awesome. Well, that really wraps us up for the episode this week. Uh, if you do want to reach out to us, reach out to us on Twitter at BigWigPod. Uh, or post in our YouTube comments, we'll surely reply to you. Was there something you wanted to mention, Twinning? No, um, I think we're done. I think oh, sorry. Big, big week sorry. is over. No, I didn't say anything. <laughs> sorry. And uh, make sure that you give us a five-star review or a thumbs up on your podcast service, because that will really help us grow the podcast. Uh, with that, bye-bye. See ya.